So capoeira was created by these people who had these, these tools, these skills in their communities. I'm not saying every enslaved African was like that, but they were among the group. And these were the ones that held the community together through self-determination. Don't cry, my sister. We're going to get out of this. Don't cry, my brother. They were there telling others not to cry. Fear not. We have to create a new life for ourselves. We have to create a new existence for ourselves. We have to create a new reality for ourselves. There had to be those amongst us. So Capoeira was created by these people, the ones that wielded and knew they had something. All they needed to do was get these chains off of them so they can kick somebody in the face. It's these kind of relationships that get disturbed when we don't take the time to know what it is to say, to know how to Welcome to another episode of Tune the Fork. I have with me father, husband, community leader, friend, advisor, contramestre, future mestre. I don't know if I got that right, so forgive me. I might, I might be overstepping my bounds of, of titles, but, but a beautiful human being with a beautiful mind, a beautiful spirit, just a beautiful, um, a beautiful demeanor, man. Ren Powell, also known as Morsego in the Capoeira community. How are you, brother? I'm good, man. Wow, what an honor I, to hear all that in one is... Sounds good. I like that. I it's like a it. it. So, I start off all of my episodes like that because I do feel like it's important to acknowledge that people have multiple titles. They have multiple roles, you know, and and they all have their share of challenges. And and I think sometimes we show up in certain areas or in certain roles, and certain parts of us are challenged in certain areas. Yeah. So. I think a part of it is just like the whole person. Yeah. Um, and I like to, you know, point that out. If I'm talking to a man who's a father, I want people to know that that man is a father. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to know when that man is the father of a daughter or of a son or of both. Yeah. You know, all of that shit. Makes a difference. Makes a difference. Yeah, yeah. So thank you for agreeing to come on, man. And thank you for having me, man. This is a pleasure, a blessing. Man. <laughs> I mean, I, I find you intriguing too, brother. Believe oh. me. I mean, there should be a you should be on a podcast too. You know what I mean? But um, you know, I'm 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 excited to first of all chop it up. Okay. Um and, and exactly what you said. Sometimes, you know, you get into situations where you're expected to come up with all these answers. Yeah. And um I find that when you're in a situation where somebody's just inquisitive and you know, just wanna hear how you think. Yeah. It's, it makes things that much better. You, you end up there anyway. You end up right where you want to be anyway. You do, man. And, I, and, and so for me, we're similar in that I feel like when, I, when I've observed you talk, you're an ideas guy. Yeah. And I love chopping it up with ideas people because that's my, that's my demeanor also. The challenge with being an ideas guy, though, is sometimes you could be misunderstood and if you're talking to a group of people who aren't necessarily ideas and mm -hmm. abstract type of thinkers, they get lost sometimes and it can come off as if, you know, like, what the hell is he talking about? And da, 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 da. So yeah. um, for me, at least, when I'm 
when I find myself too far out there in certain instances, I, I'm self-conscious of it and pull myself back. But I'm, I'm very interested and excited about the idea of kind of like where this conversation, you know, can go and how we can build and, and that sort of stuff. Oh, wow, man. Uh, first of all, I think it's just good to, to be with other like-minded people, mm. whether it be a one-on-one -on -one situation like this or a group. Yeah. You know, I think um, I was telling some of my friends recently, we, so I, I, as you said, I'm an idea person. So oftentimes as you're going through something, ideas pop into your mind. And one thing that came to my mind as I was, was there thinking, I was like, you know, a man without counsel is a fool. A person without counsel is a fool. You know what I mean? Especially if a person who's expected to move a certain direction, follow a certain path, influence a certain group of people. People are relying on you for some reason. Particularly, let's start with your family. Yeah. You know, if it's, it starts with just your family. It starts with just you and your partner, you and your person living together, being together, traveling together. There's just always these, even if you, you realize in your situation with, with you and your friends, when you go out with your friends, um, whose idea is it to say, let's go to Cuba together? Whose idea is it to <laughs> yeah. say, and then whose idea, who got the Airbnb? Yeah, yeah. Who got the car? Who got the layout of the stuff? Some people love being in situations where they have someone they can rely on who has that level of like organization and all these other things. They're supporting roles. You know, you have to know yourself. You know, and so it's like, I find like being in a room with people who are very much like that, you in your setting. I'm sure you in your setting are like, the same way you're talking about me. Yeah, yeah. And we have our, all of our settings, right? Like the other mm -hmm. day I consulted you about the car thing, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I was intrigued to see how you rolled out the info to me like within a few minutes. I was like, this guy is serious. I, I, I didn't realize this man is like, it's okay, good. And that's, it's good to be surprised. Yeah. And so I think um, for a conversation like this, I think we just sit and we talk about, you know, you know what, what it is that we find interesting about each other. You know, you were talking about, you watch me a lot and the, uh, the area that you see me in is mostly in Capoeira, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You come through and you see, and, and as you know, Capoeira is an Afro-Brazilian martial art, you know, start, created in, it, it, it created in Brazil, right? Yeah, the yeah. art form, kind of like how gumbo, gumbo is created right here in, as we know, Louisiana, you know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Um, but um, it was created by African peoples and so, um, you know, I'm a very big fan of the reggae music and, you know, Peter Tosh said it, you know, no matter where you come from, as long as you're a black man, you're an African. And when I say that, I'm not trying to say we're not going into that conversation where it's like, every, yes, everybody's from Africa. We know right, that. Right, you know what I'm right. saying? But at the same time, I'm just saying yeah, in the most yeah. recent development of Capoeira, the credit has to be given to the self-determination of the people that were, you know, particular warriors who brought with them some kind of like hand-to-hand -hand combat skills, not just in the form of art but in the form of self-defense, because a lot of them were captured in battle and sold into slavery and or situations that inv involved them being in some kind of fighting situation. And so those art forms came together in, in Brazil. And, you know, in that environment, um, you know, I somehow got schools up to the top to be a leader, picked out first by my capoeira mestre at the time, who was like, you know, you should teach a class one day. And, you know, I, so I'm a headstrong guy, you know, I'm inquisitive. Mm. I, 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 <laughs> when I started hearing the word headstrong, it was from my grandmother a lot, you know, okay. determined. She used to always tell me that she was like, you're a very determined boy, but you're a lucky boy. And it's better for a man to be born lucky than to be born rich because your luck will never leave you. Mm. That stuck with me just the way she says it like that. 
till this day. Every time I think about situations in my life, I'm like, I'm glad she told me that. You know what I mean? Because now I understand what it means to be determined. You know, but you can be determined to your detriment, or yeah, you yeah. can be determined to in, in a way that helps you and your community around you. And I I choose to 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 heed the counsel of my community and be around that. And my community changes, it fluctuates continuously. DC is a transient city. So we here in DC who have been doing any kind of work, particularly me in this Capoeira world, I realize I've got to lean to the aid of the people that come and give of themselves. So, you know? Now now when you you were born in Jamaica. Yes, sir. You moved here when you were 13. Yes, sir. And went to Howard University. Yes. To become a dentist. No, not, no, I, I, I was pre-dental. Pre-dental. Yes. Okay. Yes. Because I want to spend, I want to spend the majority of the time in the Capoeira space. So, but, but I am curious to know, to hear about what, Ren was like at the time when he discovered Capoeira? Oh, wow. Great, great question. Um, I discovered Capoeira um, from my own in, a, in 1998. I had heard about it before um, when I just got here from Jamaica. I used to play I, soccer is my life, you know what I mean? I was playing soccer as okay. a young boy at the time. And I got into New York um, and went to a school in Austin, New York. And in Austin, New York, there was tons of Portuguese and tons of Brazilians. Um, not, not tons, but there was a large group of people you know, who were soccer players. And I was like, wow. So the kids, there was this one kid there, Dave Da Silva. Never forgot Dave, you know. And Dave would do like a little cartwheel or something like that to show. He's like, yeah, I'm from Brazil. You guys don't know anything about this. This is Capoeira. This is Archie from Bahia. You know, we would like, Psh, you know, we just go juggle this ball. You know what I mean? But I seen the, like a blast at that point. You know, I was maybe about 19, it was about 1990, 89 or 90 at that time. So maybe I was what, four, 10 was 84. Yeah, so you're talking about 15 years old, right? Okay. But then 1998, I'm in DC. I'm at Howard University. Um, and um, I uh, got to study abroad, man. I was studying foreign languages, man. And I went to Brazil, man. And I saw that amazing art, man. I saw these people just, just doing capoeira. And I didn't go to Brazil with the, content, with the idea of meeting capoeira. I went to Brazil because I was, this was soccer, was king of soccer, lived there. And of course, I mean, Brazilian women, beautiful women, you know, I just wanted to experience that culture, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm a teen, I'm like a 20-something year old in college, you know what I mean? This is what you're supposed to be doing. Right, right. Exploring the world, you know? And, um, but instead I found capoeira. I saw them play the capoeira in this, and I was like, whoa. I got to find this thing. I got to do these people understand the power of this art form, how it can really bring the community together. So many things that people really need inside of it because, you know, I'm a soccer player and I, you know, I've, I've been a part of soccer teams and I see how soccer teams can give you something to look forward to at the end of the day during the winter time, whether you play an indoor league and you get up at five o'clock in the morning just to go play a game. For some reason, it just, it just energizes you, hypes you up a little bit, you know what I mean? And when I got back to the States, you know, I heard that there was a grand opening of a school in Tacoma Park. I went mm. there, 1998, boom. That was FICA. Started training there. Oh, you started at FICA? Yeah, I started at FICA, man. I started okay. training at FICA when they had their opening right there in, on um, 4th and um, Butternut. Is it is 4th and Butternut. That's, I think, I think it's 4th, yeah. And that's where Tacoma Station, next to uh, Tacoma Station. 
that was where the spot was. I went there, it was a grand opening. I'd never seen a setup like that before. It was very nice, the music, they had fruit and veggies and everything cut up and people were outside talking and Mestre Koblian was there and it was just so much around him and so much around his ability and the capoeira and his leadership. And I watched the Joguji capoeira afterwards and I saw some amazing things. I saw Mestre Koblian doing these amazing capoeira and I was like, that's what I wanna be right there. I wanna do that. that. That is something I want to have in my soul. I knew it at that point. What was it? I am, see I've been into, it's not just because I've been into martial arts, but I love to dance, I love to move, I love to interact, I love to push the human body, the human capability. I, you know, I'm a, if I tell you, sat away, one away, and told you some of the little experiments I've done with myself to see how much, how competent I can be in the most tough situations to see if I could pull myself out of the situation. I do it all the time just, just, to, just to make sure that I can keep a focus because at the end of the day, everything is up here. Mm. Sometimes, you know, like even when I watch certain people drink and they get so wildly drunk and like falling down, I'm just like, I have been twisted, but I mean, I know enough from being deeply twisted like that to know how to drink to a point. And I'm not encouraging this anybody. I'm just, saying, <laughs> I'm just saying drink to a point where I'm having a great time. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not gonna be like hanging to a toilet bowl the next morning. You know what I'm saying? And so it's like it's control. Okay. You know what I mean? It's 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 managing yourself. So I think what what I saw in Capoeira is like it gives you the ability to manage, control your life, your actions. It's kind of like everything requires thousands of hours of practice whether it be to become a speed reader to speak a new language to you know you learn a new job it requires hours of putting in time and then how well versed how much tools did you bring to that to that mm -hmm. to that particular thing you know what i'm saying to that situation and then how fast can you learn and do you enjoy it because that's what's going to determine how long you're going to do this so could i wrap could i sum that up in discipline bing there you go. Okay. I like when people find the words. Because I, I, I say that, I'm like, I'm a disciplined person. It doesn't sound right. It doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, if that's who you are, man. But, but no, so I, um, and I get affirmation when I'm trying to synthesize it just to make sure that it, I'm, I'm, I'm not misrepresenting what it is that you're right. saying. Right. So, and you saw that and you saw what you, so when you looked across, you didn't necessarily know what it was going to take for you to no, do it. No. You just knew you were going to do it. That's right. You wanted to do it. That's right. And you were locked in immediately? Immediately. When did you meet your wife? Ooh. I met her about... I'm, so 98 to 2001. I met her in 01. So I did Capoeira Angola with Fika from 98 to about the middle of 99. Because I remembered not, I remembered having a conversation with Mestre and, you know, so it was about maybe a year and change I trained with Fika. And then um, I was off on my own, getting ready to graduate from Howard, focusing on some stuff there. Did a couple other study abroads, went to Colombia, Venezuela, South America. And um, when I came back, I was about to graduate and somebody, I was on a date in Adams Morgan. This is 2001. Okay. And this dude walked up to me 
and said to me in Portuguese, like, are you Brazilian? And I was like, no, I'm not, but I do understand Portuguese. He's like, yeah, good. He whips out a card, gives to me, and he goes, I teach capoeira regional. I was like, whoa. He said, I teach capoeira first. And I said, wow, yeah, I know about capoeira. I did some Angola. He goes, oh, good, but I do regional, which is the other style that I'd heard of that was like very highly acrobatic and more martial, like in my 20s then. So I'm like, yeah, bro, this, this is, I wanted to get a little bit more into that, you know? Okay. Um, He's like, I have an event tomorrow at a church on 16th Street. It was like 16th and um, it's now a community center. But it's like when you take 15th and it, it peaks right there mm -hmm. by 16th Street, there's that building right to the right side. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. that's where it was in there. It wasn't, even, it wasn't even renovated. It was just like these old wood floors and stuff. He's like, come by and check it out. So I went to that event the next day, man. It was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. And it was, it, it was what I saw in 1998 that that grand opening of Fika times like 10. You know what I'm saying? With, with tons of physicality, tons of what I know. I was like, this is what I want to be doing right there, that version, along with, with the smoothness, though. You know what I mean? And afterwards, there was like a get-together. and I, We were in the audience, and we watched the Bachelors Island for about three, four hours, man. I was just sitting there watching it, just intrigued. You know, no, Who sits down and watches anything for four hours, three, yeah, four yeah. hours, other than a couple series with mad breaks in between? Right, right, you know right, right. And, uh, then afterwards, people were just handing out Coronas, like, yo, have a Corona, we're just gonna party right here. Someone bust out a pot of feijoada, and it was like party right in the same space. And I was like, this is great. This is community right here. So I stayed in there, they started playing some pagoja music, they started playing some, you know, Brazilian samba music, you know, more, more from Bahia. And I mean, I knew a little something, something, so I went in there and they started playing <laughs> some salsa. There's my wife at the time with her friends hanging out. She had just started a class a couple weeks before me. And she had a similar story of how she met Capoeira too. She had a trip to Brazil with her boy, who's now one of my friends, another master in Capoeira, who lives in Jersey, mad connection, you know what I mean? And um, that, that was where I saw her. I went to class, that was Saturday. After that great Saturday of hanging out, and it wasn't part of my plan really <laughs> to spend my Saturday doing that. Yeah, yeah. But I ended up like blowing off everything else that day and just being with the Capoeiristas and being with this this group and hanging out with them and learning a lot about capoeira, talking to some of the capoeiristas and realizing, yeah, I'm excited to be like that influential in capoeira because, you know, that's, what's the point of doing it, right? Mm -hmm. Monday I went to class because class was Monday, Tuesday, and Saturdays. Monday I went to class. There she was in class. Mm. I was like, wow, how you doing? I don't know why. She was, she's very cute and... and um, she was doing her little thing, and I remember um, how we got to kind of like, how I got to kind of see her personality was um, the, the, the teacher was a young guy. He was, he was much younger than us. I think I was about maybe 20, 2001, I was what, uh, 26, 27, something like that. Okay, <laughs> I got yeah, you. Right, 25. You're in your mid-20s. Yeah. Okay. So he was about 23. But he knew, he had shown us the Brazilian setup, which is like, get some chicken, throw it on the grill, two onions, a pineapple, you know what I'm saying? Um, get a bottle of, of beer or something like that, which is how simple get-togethers are in Brazil. We train together, we eat together, we hang out together, we reminisce together, we improve together. Mm -hmm. And we went, we used to go to this place called Common Share mm -hmm. on 18th Street. I went to Common Share, and one day he was like, he sat around in a hoda, like the circle, and he was like, tell us about yourselves, guys. I mean, I don't know anything about you other than the fact that you come to Capoeira. And I thought it was beautiful that he asked that. I mean, I had experienced it at FICA a little bit with Metro Cobrinha back in the 90s. But it was more like a hora de conversación. It was like a conversation at the time, you know. Okay. Versus like this, we're in a bar, beer, da-da-da. Because some people, you know, it's all based on people's personalities, right? Some masters are like pious 
into the, you know, the religion or spirituality and other things and don't drink and don't do all these other things. So your, your, your environment would be based on that. Others are more and more like, whatever, I'm, I, at the end of the day, my capoeira is my capoeira, my yeah, art yeah. is my art. And how I interact with people socially is just different. And once you can compartmentalize that, you can see the difference, you know what I'm saying? And um, we started getting to know each other there and I got to know her there and we started, I just started, you know, training capoeira and getting to know her and other people at the same time. And here we are down the line, I, I, just to comment, to do commentary, of the last like 23 I, I two years you. is amazing. You know what I mean? It's how, long. How, um, did you always want to be married? Not really. I mean, I don't, when I say not really, I never had any, I didn't grow up with a negative experience of marriage. You know, even my parents, my biological parents who separated because of distance, because my, my you know, my mom and my dad were married when I was in, when, when I was born, when I was in Jamaica. And I remember my mom left to come to the United States, I think in 79, 80, something like that. And I think the distance kind of tore them apart. And it, tough, it was yeah. a sacrifice made by my mom to come here, to get herself together, to give us what she thought was a better opportunity to be able to see more and experience more of the world. So she sacrificed that element of, them, of their relationship and themselves because, I know, as you know, at distance doesn't, you can't grow in a relationship in distance, even oh, if you man. have children, whatever. But, I think there was still a cordiality, a still a love in between there that just they thought about us. And so, but both my parents' parents stayed together till they died. So the experience, the, what I saw was like a lot of togetherness, a lot of sticking through it. I was taught like you fight through, like if you don't, if this, if not this one, then it's another one. You know, it's the other one. You're going to fight through the yeah. same thing with another yeah. one. So pick the one you're going to fight with, you know, yeah. pick your team. Yeah. And so when it comes to like, I knew, like I had had relationships before and they didn't work out, but I knew that when I, when I met my wife and we started hanging out, I was, you know, in my 20s, I was at Howard. I mean, I, I had just finished Howard. Um, I had had a lot of fun experiences at Howard. Um, you started, I started formulating a bachelor's mindset when I was there. Okay. Um, but when I met my wife, I kind of had the bachelor's mindset because I was like, well, I'm about to explore this capoeira thing. I was thinking about traveling the world and oh, not, yeah. even, not even trying to live in America. I had, I had plans to get up out of here soon. I was done and head straight to Brazil. You know what I mean? And you know, for a few, other th few things changed my mind in reference to that. But, um, or not even Brazil, but just somewhere else. You know what I mean? At the mm -hmm. time, we had just been in the Bush era. You know, you know all the other stuff was happening. You know? yeah. I was just like, oh, my God. Do I, how do I want to live out my life? Is it, is it in this way or was I going to formulate something? But as you know, sometimes, you know, like they say, we, man plans and God laughs. Yeah, you know, yeah, so, you yeah, know, yeah. The creator laughs, you know, and you, sometimes you're, in the, you're inside of a mechanism of a plan that you mm -hmm. don't even know that you're a part of, which, we, you know, which is a whole other story. Yeah. But um, I, for me, um, nothing, I couldn't, this, this woman was very fluid. She was pliable. Um, when I say that malleable, she was, she, she didn't bother, she doesn't bother me, you know, I don't bother her, you know what I mean, she's very upfront, you know, she's, when she needs a break, she tells me she needs a break, you know what I mean, and all these different things that I respect, it was so, which is why I like the upfrontness, there's no like, yeah. hiding and hitting me anywhere, I'm like, well, you knew I like cherries or whatever, it was none of that, it's all, I know all of what is upfront with her, and so, even when I got, when we started hanging out, it was like a year and a half that I hung out with her. Like I, I had my own apartment, but I would just 
come from school. I was teaching that time at DCPS and she was in the Air Force and she had a place uptown here in Newton Street, not Newton, Marion Street off of Rhode Island and R. And, um, you know, I would hang out with her the whole time. I was there, I was there, but I got, I had a place up on 13th and Clifton, you know, I mean, on, on um, Castle Manor, you know, and, um, I couldn't find anything wrong with her. I couldn't find an excuse <laughs> any day to not want to go see her. Wow. This went on for about a year. And then one day she's like, yo, you want to you, you wanna, wanna be exclusive? Do you wanna, are, we gonna, are we trying to be together or whatever? I was like, yeah, I was going to ask you the same thing because my philosophy, if it ain't broke, don't try to fix it. Right. And then, um, you know, we somehow got a house together. DC was like, it was available. We bought a house and started connecting our energies down the path. And we had some catastrophe that happened in the Capoeira and, you know, and we had some other things that come up. Like I had the opportunity to buy a restaurant, open up a restaurant, right? And um, I didn't own the building, but I was able to buy, purchase the LLC and, you know, buy all, get all the staff that came with it and keep the menu and just keep it running. And, mm -hmm. I, and it was like, it was like, instead of worrying about, is your relationship gonna work because things seem so fine, start building. That was what life threw at me. Mm. So I got into the commercial real estate game immediately, and I got into the residential real estate game immediately. You know what I mean? Because buying that house in 02 and getting that restaurant, and also for Capoeira too, um, unfortunately, we had a, some unfortunate circumstances that happened with our teacher where he literally just loped out. You know what I mean? And, and um, we, we literally sat around as a group in my restaurant, and we're like, what are we going to do? Which is why so funny coming forward to this situation that you just that I was telling you about being in recently, I'm not as jerked by it because I've been in a situation before where we were ghosted, whether it be directly or indirectly by mm -hmm. our own fault or by another person's yeah. actions by a situation. And we got together as a group in DC, intellects. I said, listen, man, I have to tell people, man. I don't know if who don't know about Washington, D.C.? But I love D.C., bro. I mean, I grew up 13 to when I left New York in 1997, and I got here with the introduction to Howard University. I found D.C. because I, I didn't even know D.C. was a livable place. I knew it was a murder capital of yeah. America, but I was driving. I rented a car and drove all the way from New York to the tip of, of to Key West, bro. And I was like, I just wanted to see all the cities on the East Coast, make up my mind what I wanted to do with myself. Looking, that time Google had just come out, Yahoo and all those other things, you know what I'm saying? Yahoo it was, my bad, mm -hmm. Yahoo search engine. So I, at the time I, complicated, but I was, I had, was working in, a te, in the, in the mech, uh, tech, um, technician world. I was a dental lab technician, which is what got okay. me into dentistry and so on and so forth. And I started looking on, on, on the Yahoo search engine, bro. Dental labs in and around the D.C. metro area. I, I found 400 on a list. I printed that joint out at the library because that back in the 90s, ain't nobody really had PCs in their cribs. You know what I mean? So we went, went to the library. I printed that joint out in the library. Had me a list. Made a copy of that so in case I lost that joint, right? And I started calling labs from A. Started at A. By the time I got to B, I had three job offers. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm an artistic, you know, I have some skills where I can, you know, use my hands and stuff. Anyway, I drove down here, did the interviews and everything. When I got, got down here, I was in rush hour traffic one morning and I was like running out of gas. So I pulled over at the Texaco gas station with a brother from Ethiopia in there and he was telling me, he's like, what you doing down here? I was like, yo, I'm, I'm just coming to a job interview. I'm, from, I'm coming from New York, you know what I mean? I'm just checking out the DC area. He's like, man, listen to me. You're a black man. You want to improve yourself. The country's about to change in so many different ways. You want to be in Washington, D.C. right now. 
Right now is when you want to be in D.C. How could I have been so lucky to have gotten that kind of advice? Wow. Right there from a gas station attendant, wow. from an Ethiopian brother. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so for me, I, I was like, yeah. And then I remembered coming here and re- like being alone by myself, and I just had no fear. It was just like, this is a new adventure. It's a new, new, new city. I'm going to dr- go around this city. I, went, you know, got in, I, got, I had my little Howard, my letter invitation from Howard. I'm a soccer player. They knew about me and, and called me down to do a little, in, um, what do you call it, uh, uh, tryouts and stuff like that. I didn't end up getting no money more than a meal card and a few other little Did things. Did you play, though? Yeah. Okay. I played for two years at HU. Okay. Um, but it wasn't like... You know, on, you know, like the kids who got the scholarships, man. We were like the side kids. Me and one of my friends who from, you know, college from, from Trinidad was the same thing. So my other friend, Ajahn, from, from Ghana, we were, we were like the side guys. You know what I'm saying? We played. Okay. And I think we, I, I remember we got a run on two matches. I remember it in that whole time. I got a run on two matches. I think it was, I'd have to think to remember the teams. But it was, they were home games, that run at two matches. But we played all together. Did we train with the team? We were part of the mechanism. When, when, a, when a university doesn't recruit you, you're not, you know what I'm saying? And it's a whole other story right there. With <laughs> I got you. <laughs> if, I had, if, I, if I was, I should have come straight to HU from high school, and I did not. I went to a Merchant Marine Academy in New York. I was at SUNY Maritime, where I was studying engineering. But that's another story. Okay. You know? But um, so being, being, being married, um, it's not that I always wanted to be married, but Eventually, I got married eventually. I didn't get married early. We, me and my wife got married in 2014. We did it backwards. We bought a house first. We okay. had a kid later. And then we got married. Gotcha. Okay. And I don't okay. want to recommend that for people, but I'm just saying. I got you. I knew. I mean, I don't know when this lady's. I mean, yeah. this is what it is. Okay. Everything could be worked out. We done been through it. You know what I'm saying? We, so much of it. You know what I mean? And still going through it. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean. How, how is it? How is it, um, Borboleta is your wife's name. Mm-hmm. Am I saying that correctly? Yeah, that's her capoeira name. Her Bor- name's Aisha. Aisha, mm-hmm. okay. Mm-hmm. Aisha's your wife. Mm-hmm. You guys have a capoeira spot up on Rhode Island. Yes, sir. How long has that place been there? Oh, boy. So. Well, let me rephrase that. How long have you guys been running a capoeira facility yeah so we started capoeira dc in 2002 and it was eight of us at the time when we 21 years yeah and it was eight of us when we started um we all got together it was in my restaurant when this guy with this catastrophe happened and we were like what are we gonna do and because I, when I was at HU, I, did, I, I was um, CSA president, Caribbean Students Association president. And I'd done some work where we had written some, docu- you know, some letters to the embassies and we had gotten some performers to come over to perform at Yard Fest and all these other things back in the days in the 90s, okay. you know what I'm saying, so on and so forth. So at that time, I kind of knew how things kind of worked through the university. And I had some, some people that I knew that, and at the time, Brazil was, Brazil was about to rise. Brazil ballooned like a mushroom cloud right during the time when they had their Olympics and World Cup around the same, uh, within four years of each other. So Brazil was getting popular. It was, a, it was a, the mushroom cloud had just started to rise before it poofed in. And now Brazil is <laughs> like just any other place, you know, right, America, right. we love to uh, use and discard 
the motivation of cultures. Not purposely, I don't think, but it's just the drive of us Americans. Yeah. We, we just, we like new things. We always looking for and something And when we else. go somewhere, we don't leave it necessarily better than we found. Right. It's yeah. just not intentional. Like right, that's it. it what it is. So at this point, we, with, with the eight of us, we, we said, you know what, we have enough skills among us you know, with the, with, the, with the level of education that was among us, we, we were all like serious people, man. I mean, like it was myself, you know, I had already graduated from Howard, you know I mean? My background, you know, with, with, with the languages and, um, you know, my connections through Howard people who were becoming, you know, they, they are all prominent in the city in so many different areas. So, you know, it's a matter of time before you turn around and run into an old classmate or something like that. My other brethren, Gavion, who also is, did his master's at Howard and super intellect. So he's you know, Victor Green, who was you know a tech guy. Really, he was the one that got us started the first special forces capoeira chat group among us. This is like early millennia when nobody is doing that. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Um, and we had uh, Morgan um, Danielou, who was uh, she's a French national who worked at the World Bank, who knew about capoeira because she lived in Brazil and joined up with us, and was just you know another sharp razor. Um, we had Chicletch, who is a he, he's a Swiss Bolivian. His, mom, his aunt lived here up in Potomac, and he came from Switzerland to do university or college here, where he started at Montgomery College and ended up at UMBC with a degree in graphic designing. He's now back in Switzerland living, but he was here at that time and was part of that thing, um, group also. And then we had two other people who were newer students to Capoeira. Um, 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 what's his name? Uh, Dexter Mallory, who's like a kung fu expert around okay. the DC area. And um, another young lady who since passed away, who became mm. a massive um, leader in the natural hair movement and, and owned a couple of salons in the area, but she, re she unfortunately passed away during COVID. Um, oh, wow. Lynetta, I can't remember Lynetta's last name for a second there, but um, her, her capoeira name was Leo and his was Scorpion. And the eight of us, we sat down and said, yo, we're not gonna let the capoeira die. So we're gonna keep this moving. These things, right, the distraction of, not the distraction of, but the amount of energy required to put into the capoeira this way to survive. Why did we do it? Why did we want to do it, right? We said part of it was we wanted to enjoy capoeira ourselves. Mm -hmm. And we didn't want to end it this moment. We didn't want to let go off of it. So we were like, we're going to do what it takes to do that. So 20 years, man, it started just like that. Um, We've had to move to several different locations because, as you know, I mean, uh, something like capoeira is not indigenous to here, and so there is no mechanism set up here to facilitate that. So we've had to do things like, you know, I have, as you said, I'm a visionary. I have the ability to look into a space. Like, when I look at this space, I'm like, yo, if I had this spot, I probably wouldn't have the capoeira spot. This would be the capoeira spot. Mm. Every day I'd move the chairs away, have probably four students in here training and run a business right out of here. And when I need to have an event, I just run a community center and do it. <laughs> Boom. I already see that in this spot. And I see that in these type of lofty spaces, you know. And so whenever I got the opportunity, I'm a, you know, I talk to people. I know whether it be my mechanic that I'm talking to. Hey, you know any spots that has a big enough space like this mechanic spot here that I can just train a couple of people. Maybe 10 of us can line up and train and blah, blah, blah. And I found spaces like that wow. throughout the 20 years you know, without having to do a commentary of each one. And this Capoeira spot that we're at now, um, we've been there for 10 years. The one we were at before that, we were there for seven years. You know what I mean? What we are literally looking to find our own home because honestly, it's kind of like a school. The idea of a school, 
what is a school, right? Do, do people actually need to be um, in a situation where they're, you have to wait till you're 18 to be able to open for the doors of uh, university and college studies to be open to you? Is that really the way it is? Or can you take a 10-year-old and be like, look, we're going to train you as a doctor right now. By the time you're 15, you're a surgeon. Boom. Yeah. Can, can that really be the situation? Can that really happen? So for us, I think with Capoeira, we realize the power of its ability to help a community stay together, help self-determined people build. I have had students that come from different situations that when they get into the Capoeira community and they absorb the motivation from the, from the community, they become different people. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm a fan of Marcus Garvey too, and he said it. Marcus Garvey's like, look, if you want to be smart, you hang around smart people. If you want to be an idiot, you go and go to the bars and hang around idiots. You know what I'm saying? So you have to surround yourself with those type of people. He didn't say it in that way, but I'm just saying, you, you surround yourself you. with the type of people going in the direction that you yourself want to go in and end up in. And I think the Capoeira spot, because of the, 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 not the communal elements, and we can talk about from a caring group of people who are empathetic to your situation and always seem to have some kind of um, solution to what you're going through. All you have to do is reveal it, right? You know what I mean? Um, that's what a community does, you know what I mean? And we see the power of a community, all of us. You know, we, all, we are all from our communities where we have a history of having to overcome, right? And we can never think that communities don't ever need to exist like that ever again. Yeah. They always, we need, no, listen. This is the one thing I'll say, and I think even the founding fathers would agree with me about this. That's why we have to have a militia. Mm. You always have to have a militia. Worst case scenario, you have to be able to form a militia in this country just to make sure it is part of the Constitution. It's part of the, all the, the, the stuff that the written documents about how this country was started. There are certain things in there. That's why we have the right to bear arms and all these other things. You know what I'm saying? Because just in case our government goes wild, what do you do? What is the self-determination in you to keep you and your community alive? You know what I'm saying? And, these mechanisms still need to exist. And I'm not saying that we are, we're not a militia or nothing like that. What I'm saying is like, <laughs> we're you. a community that teaches a certain level of self-determination through the art of Capoeira, exploring creative energy. You know what I'm saying? Promoting good citizenry, promoting being organized, promoting being meaning what you say, promoting proper communication. You know, all these different things. And when I, when I say proper communication, I'm talking about even when you see the capoeira, you see the physical communication. Needs, you need to know how to do it properly because if you're too rough or you're too, like, a certain way, you will have a hard time communicating with people just like what you said earlier. Like, you know, we talk. Yeah. And so it's nice getting a situation where you hear others talk so you can... That's proper communication. You're learning yeah. how to properly, to better proper communicate, better properly communicate. So that's a very succinct description of, I don't want to say the mission necessarily, but a description of what Capoeira, the community of Capoeira is and what it's designed to do. I, that's not something you necessarily started out with, right? You, you landed there. Yes, absolutely. Um, it's a moving thing. It's alive. The needs of our community based on how people view themselves as community members or citizens or whatever is very, very important. You know, for example, I realized in D.C. that it's transient. There's a lot of single people in D.C. I had to create an environment for that. When we started, we were all single. None of us had kids. 
what was the big motivation for us. We trained hard and we partied hard together. We went places to hard together. We, we went in droves. We, we motivated and tried to learn that way. But once we started having family, we started realizing, oh, what is there? What, how do I create equity for that family, for, the, for that, for that the development of the community? People getting older, babies. A person like me and me, say me and you were training for 10 years and all of a sudden you get married and you have a child. What, is there room for you to bring the child and leave the child in the bassinet over there, a little crying? How would yeah. that affect us? A little bit of Eugenia, you have less time to spend time with me. Would that affect us? And how do I facilitate that? Maybe, you know, because life changes and those are the things that I've had to accept. Like over the time, life and people change. You know, and, and that's why I was saying and I, it's like, Pay attention to that. You have to. If you're a community, you will pay attention to the change. Like we talk about wealth, right? I say this to my daughter all the time when I talk about wealth and just my little bit of studies. I'm not a financier or not into finance or nothing like that. I just pay attention, I think. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, From yeah. my perspective. When I look at certain people's who, families who have had wealth since the beginning of time in America or when they got wind of it 100 years ago mm -hmm. or when they jumped on the wagon, I noticed that the wealth transforms. You might, somebody might have started in oil, all of a sudden they're in real estate for the next 20 years, then the next 30 years they're into computer parts. Whatever the new thing that comes in, their names are in there without their name being in there because yeah. it's just a matter of venture capitaling, investing into that thing that allows you to be in that name, whether it be you give an endowment to, to Columbia University and they study that thing that is with your name on top. You know what I'm saying? I'm just saying wealthy people find a way to, to, to continue their wealth even if it's not with that thing that you, they were known for. So it's the same thing I say with Capoeira. It's like Capoeira might seem to other people a plain person. Like in Brazil, right? Middle class people don't really do Capoeira. Middle class and wealthy people don't do Capoeira. Capoeira is done by people, originally it was from like the Bahia region, from the enslaved Africans, who, who the warriors who created these Quilombo communities and has a, had a history of the self-determining arts that Capoeira is inside and it culminates and is in, in involved in that. But mm -hmm. it's kind of like, so you will find kind of like here in America, like boxing, wealthy people don't box. Like you won't find somebody from a wealthy family talking about, I'm gonna become a boxer. Yeah. That's not what you do. Boxing is for somebody who's trying to come up. You're poor, you, you, you know what I mean? You have a little something, something, you got a couple of hands, you know what I'm saying? You could take a couple of noggins. You know what I'm saying? You, you see where the boxers come from. They come from lower socioeconomic situations where they, they have to come up. And it's the same thing with Capoeira. Capoeira and that self-determining um, art form is from the people who need to come up and they still haven't come up yet. So it's coming from that area. So people in the middle class don't really look at this like, ah, you know what I mean? It's, a, it's, a, it's not a big deal. But for us here, we're, we're always talking about every part of the American culture mm -hmm. is about coming up, self-determination, right? So it comes to the United States. We can't just think that it's just gonna be this jinga in a community where we just hang out and do cartwheels. First of all, where are you gonna do, where are you gonna jinga, right? And <laughs> when you, where are you gonna jinga? Then how's the lights gonna stay on where you're jinga, right? How do you engage your community and keep them engaged? I'm not, and it's the good thing about Capoeira that I love is there's no dogma to it, bro. It's not like I'm in a church preaching. Oh, you, you, you're not hearing me throwing no, it's not, it, it is engaging like that. It is engaging. That's because that's what I was going to say. It, yes. it feels like there is some element of that from an outside person's perspective mm -hmm. and looking in. I don't know if that's because of 
I can't think of another word, but I'm just going to use it. How some of the higher level people are somewhat deified to some mm -hmm. degree or yes. whatever, and how they're viewed and the pedestal that they're put on and the philosophies that the lower level people, for lack of a better word, like adopt feels like a form of dogma to a, to a degree, to a, to an outside person. Right. It might not be built into the structure of the, the art form, but I feel like it, when the people start getting involved, weird shit starts happening and transforming. That's one of my words, my, my, my statement I have, beware of humans. <laughs> beware of humans. The art form, the capoeira is beautiful, it's pure, it's, it's, a, it's a light, it's, a, it's an energy. But it's, it's the human ego, it's, it's, the, it's, the, it's, the, it's the wielding of the power of notice. Anybody, you know, you come from a bum, small village in the middle of nowhere and all of a sudden you have all these people worshipping your virile body. You know, it goes to your head. You see it happens. Look, I mean, you see these athletes don't want to retire. You see these people don't want to give up the reign. You see, you see so many, you see people don't want to say, they don't even want to compliment another person, be like, yo, you have great skill. I mean, since once something's exposed to the world, the world it's going to multiply. It's going to multiply twice the amount. Every time it multiplies, it multiplies two times the amount. So when Capoeira came here, it was like, maybe you, you can talk about the 70s. There were two people known to have Capoeira in the United States. Mesher Jalon in New York City in 1974, when he came here, 75, those, those years, in Washington Heights. And Mesher Corjon out in 77, 78, out in, 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 in the Bay Area, right? We don't know any other. That was two. And today... There is, they, their students have created students who have created students, and who have, mm. you know what I mean? And this thing is not going to stop. So kind of like bringing it back to what we were talking about in terms of like the communal element of Capoeira and, you know, how, why. It's, I am just seeking a path that allows me to facilitate the needs of a Capoeira community going forward. How do we keep playing capoeira for fun. How do we do that? You can't do that just by being in a park because wintertime comes and you need a space to go. I can't wait four or five, six months to get yeah. back outside. You get stale. Yeah, you know what I mean? So at the same time, how do I do that? And then if you are going to get a space, nobody's going to rent you a space just for the winter. You have to commit to this. You have to commit to your, what you're gonna, your advancement. You have to commit to it. What I mean by that is like, when I thought about it, I was, I, I was like, my first lease I signed for a space, I just saw forward. I didn't look backwards, just like when I talk to a young person now about going to college. If you're from a situation where you don't have any money, put yourself in debt for yourself. Take out loans for yourself. It'll motivate you. I'm not, I'm not going to tell you that's the best way. You know, you got to know yourself. But if you have options, you can join the military. Yeah. You can go beg the money. You can work it, do the, you know, pull the European style and go explore the world and work jobs now and save up the money, which you probably never will because life will get you. Life's going to get you. It is going to get you. You know what I'm saying? Very few people have the discipline to do that. But it's the same time. You know what I mean? When I talk about calculating the amount of time that you're in servitude, you're in debt to something, whether you're in debt to this plan in the future or you get the college degree now, put yourself in debt and pay it off, you have to invest. And so that's what the Capoeira spot is and is becoming. 
it's an investment in, in, in our community, investment in how do we maintain this vibe? How do we maintain this community? You know what I mean? Let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. As you were talking about the transitioning and being able to accommodate the needs, and this is something that just came to my head mm -hmm. as you were speaking, I feel like it's a constant check of the ego. Oh, yes. <laughs> and I feel like in, in order for you to do that effectively, that your that that your ego has to be monitored and regulated or something. I don't like as you were saying that I'm like because there because that transition of being able to accommodate like these new things. Because if you are a if it ain't broke don't fix it kind of guy, then you know you've got to constantly adjust. The ego has to also do a lot of that. Are you are you good at that? I don't know. I I I think I'm doing all right. And when I say that, I mean. So I'll tell you something about me that I know, contrary to some people and what they really think they know about me. I like to lead from the back, bro. I lead from the back a lot of times. I don't need to be in the front. I don't need to have my face on everything. I'm not trying to be like Suge Knight. <laughs> all, but I mean, all, Diddy, all, all in the videos. videos. Yeah, yeah. I, but no, I, I can lead from the back comfortably, bro, because honestly, I don't know what I don't know where this comes from or at what point I developed this understanding, but the creator has given me some gifts and I'm I'm thankful for that. You know what I mean? I know that I know that I know what I can do. And I don't need to have it out front. If you put me in a quarter, then you get it. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But I'd rather use my energy to lead this. I found out that years ago, leading from the front gets you, gets you beaten up badly, man. You have to take a lot of headwind, you know what I'm saying? It's, you know what I mean? And it's a lot of pressure. But if you can take counsel and be, um, be, be a good leader, but at the same time be a good follower, make sure your, 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 your people that you're working with recognize that you value who they are and what they bring to the table. But you're going to get beat up anyway. You are going to get beat up, but it's a different level when you have a team with you who will back you up. A team that will create a cushion in front of you to like at least reduce the pressure. Or even after the, the, the effect of, an, of being, being beaten up, they'll be able to cushion you and, and let you know we, you, are, you have reinforcements. Because... Listen, honestly, man, innovation is hard, bro. It never, when I say innovation, I'm talking about anybody who has any idea out of getting, beyond getting a cool C in this community, you're going to get a fight. The Japanese say, and the, the tallest nail needs to get hit down, right? You know what I mean? Because everybody is better when community and everybody is this way. Everybody. So if you have an, an idea outside of the box of any norm, you're going to get a fight. It's only usually way after you that someone goes, that dude had a great idea. That young lady had a great idea. You know? And then they talk about it. So in a sense, I think what, make, what is the difference between something that survives, something that, I'm sorry, something that is known and something that is unknown? 
and, and, and as a mechanism of change or use as if it survives or not. I really think that's, that's the way. Has it survived? You know, even I listened mm. to, yeah, I heard Al Sharpton say something the other day. He was like, him and Jesse Jackson were around when Malcolm X, uh, Medgar Evers, uh, uh, um, and, and, and Martin Luther King got killed. So guess what they learned? They learned how to be activists without getting killed. Activists who, you know, people, you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I, I don't know what that means. I'm, I'm still chewing on that because I'm just like, this is not, I'm not trying to create no political rhetoric, here, <laughs> but I'm just saying. It made me wonder how much compromising they did or do do, how much different they looked at the struggle in terms of like, so you look at the struggle from a Nat Turner perspective. He only believed you, I got to kill these people. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so he, he had a short. <laughs> short. But Al Sharpton and, and Jesse Jackson might be like, let's sit in meetings on top of meetings on top of meetings to see if we can convince these people of our humanity. And, and the more, the longer, the, the more advanced we get, the more complicated our society gets is the more mechanisms of this talk. Change is happening, though. You see the change out slowly, just like baking, right? The recipe changes little by little. The sweet pound cake gets sweeter and sweeter and sweeter and sweeter. But how many, it, it, it's weird. It's really weird. And, and the same thing when it comes to leadership. It's like, if you are, if you are just following and just keeping along the line of the way things um, should be in, 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 say, the perspective of, um, say, your parents, right? Will you survive in today's world? Will your children survive in their world? Will their children's children survive? As I told you about the success of a, 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 a family's name or, or, or people who have gained wealth in the past, is to be able to transform their wealth, transform it, you know, start making... Um, things that are needed in the time that you exist and in abundance. Like, God, yeah. you know, we, I'd, I'd love to be the owner of raw papers right now. Shoot. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. Or, or, or I'm just saying, in hindsight, when everybody was, you know, you think about the, what I saw in the 70s of people smoking ganja in Jamaica, you know, or, or, or my, just my little kid memories, flower bags, you know, they'd take a round flower bag and they, that's where they would get their brown paper from, you know, they, there's flower bags were tri triple layered, you know what I'm saying, like mm. burlap bags, you know what I mean, so the, so the flower wouldn't seep out or whatever, so they'd okay. find a way to get that middle brown paper in the middle and roll joints in it, it was like probably purest form of wood out there, where you can, you know what I mean, of course it's carcinogenic, but at the same time I'm just saying, <laughs> <laughs> but to get to this point now, we're in a small town, in Spain, a whole town relies on us buying raw papers here in America because their whole economy is based on that. Raw papers ain't owned by none of us. They're owned by a town. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, a lot of people don't know that. Some things we buy, um, like, like I said, Demon Marcus, Saks Fifth Avenue, who owns these things? The British Crown owns these places. When you shop there, who gets the profits? It's not some company started by some individual who's trying to, it's a, it's a country. Mm. There's countries still own things, you know what I'm saying? I'm just saying, people, you know, but anyway, I'm just saying, the point I, I was making is that you need to be pliable, you need to be malleable to the changes that are occurring in your community, not just from your people evolving, but what's happening in your community. I noticed we're losing a lot of spaces in D.C. We don't, yeah. Arts, what's going to happen to art in D.C.? And, and I, I, I'm not, when I say that, I'm sure people in the 70s talk the same way. I'm sure people in the 60s talk the same way about what's going to happen to art and why even the term a starving artist. I don't really agree with those terms. 
I don't really agree with those terms. Who came up with that idea that you have to be beaten up and taken advantage of? I understand certain creativity can't really happen to you unless you have had some kind of experience, a.k.a. Mm. trauma. Let's use experience because I hope some love songs can be written from yeah. somebody having a good positive experience, experience. not having a bad experience yeah, 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 when they write yeah, a love yeah, song. Yeah, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. So it's usually some kind of experience that makes you, you know, so why should the artist's experience be starving? Why shouldn't an artist, for example... Probably because the majority of the people in that space are struggling. So if you got 100 artists, probably 95 of them are just trying to fucking get to the next day, maybe. I think that's probably where the term... Because it's a hard path. And I think that's probably why most parents don't advise their children to go down it. Because... From a probability standpoint, you know, is is rough. Like the path of least resistance has the or or at least the one that has the highest probability of success or less risk is getting a degree and you know going through that step. At least in the parents' minds, which is changing now because access to jobs, access to skilled workers. Everybody's got a degree. Everybody can write this code. Everybody can do this thing. But the jobs that are available to for those people are getting smaller and smaller, which yeah. is you know which is shifting in the way that it was. Now you got to make your own job. You got to be able to start your own business or whatever. But um, what do you think makes a good leader? Ooh, ooh, I. Again, everything I'm saying probably is just, is just from my own perspective or just from my own experience. You know, I, I think the ability to listen, man, the ability to pay attention and keep your ear to the ground, know what is needed. Why, are you, why do you need to be led if, 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 if people don't need to go somewhere? Why do you need to be, you know, in front if somebody don't need somebody in front? You know what I mean? First of all, you need to be in a situation where the people need or want you to be that thing. That you, you know what I mean? That you, mm -hmm. if the word is leader, if the word is leader, it is that. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's complicated because um, when I think of leader, oftentimes I don't know that I see it as a leader as in terms of I'm out here with my sword in the front row in my armor. It's more that I'm the one willing to go talk to that person about the building. Or I'm the one that's willing to call a meeting for us to discuss something. Is that really a leader or is that just a person who takes an initiative? Is a leader a person who takes an initiative? You know what I'm saying? So what is a leader? I mean, there's a lot of sacrifice involved in it, in being a leader. And, and even sometimes people are like, what are you talking about sacrifice? You benefit from these things. So how does, how does I benefit from living life? Because there's no way you're going to make this choice you know what I mean? To have this life if you don't understand certain things that come with it. Like when I go through my things with a student or when I go through my thing with the admin or when I don't know what to do, because that happens a lot. You don't know what to do. You have to have some introspect, right? You have to, when, mm -hmm. I, when I have, have run-ins with students, when I have run-ins with people, I get into my zone and I start to think, what could I have done to make this better? What did I do to get this to where it is? 
I have to analyze it. I'm, you know, I mean, I'm, I come yeah. from that background, I, you know, where I, I was taught to go to the source of situations to fix situations. And, I, and sometimes I'm looking, I'm like, could I have been any less of what I am that maybe had caused this? And an answer sometimes is no, I can't. Because if one person falls off the wagon and 15 are saved off the wagon, that's just, sorry, that's just the way it's going to be. You know what I mean? Because I can't sacrifice the 15 for you one when you the one has a choice to bend, to, fix, to, to be in a situation where it's functional for you. Like when I, I see certain things, I see a lot of people who start capoeira and I think they need it in my mind. I, you know, they're just, some people are just... Not, not there, you know what I mean? They mm -hmm. need, some people need things. Some people need like structure. They need to know that they're a part of something. Some people can create structure. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And you have to know what these people are. When I see people who need what Capoeira can provide for them, to liberate them, because Capoeira is not going to be the mechanism of like, check, let me check my Capoeira app today to see <laughs> yeah. what life is. Yeah. It's just that the self-determination, the discipline that you gain over the years gives you pathways, shows you ways of how to become more self-sufficient. You know what I'm saying? More autodidacting is what you need as a human being. And the more you take away the human's ability to fend for themselves, is the more titty suckers you're going to get out here. No lie. I mean, you just, we just need, we need more people out here who are more capable of taking care of themselves than more people who are dependent on a system to take care of themselves. And we have more people particularly in these inner cities, we're all like dependent. We, some people don't know where mm -hmm. you get grapes if they're not from a giant or Safeway. You know, does people even know what the damn grapevine look like? You know, particularly our people, you know what I'm saying? Some of us who are trapped in the inner cities. I'm talking about your inner cities like New York City. Like, mm -hmm. can people really afford to get across the bridges? How expensive them damn tolls is? You know, all these different things. So I don't know what makes a good leader. I think being transformable, being malleable. When I, I always say malleable because I think about metal and how hard it is and like how metal, uh, you know, some metal is malleable, but it's still firm metal, you know what I mean? Like lead, you I'm, know what I mean? I'm thinking about you, because when I look, when I've observed you in spaces, I always think of leader as the word that describes you. And it's not even necessarily if you're in front of the Hada mm -hmm. and, you know, like doing that or if you're teaching or speaking to the, 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 the class after, you know, training or whatever. But it could be like, you know, just having like a random get together in a way. Like there's this, this energy or something that I feel exudes and people listen and orient themselves when 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 a decision needs to be made in a way and so as i as i asked you what it was i'm trying to i'm trying to think of the qualities that i observed in you that led me to to that thought of leader and and i don't think I don't think you make leaders. I think they're born. I think, I think that doesn't mean that you have the ability to lead just because you were born a leader. Right. But I do think that the ingredients are there if properly honed and you know, uh, molded to be that thing 
that a group of people would need you to be to get from A to B, whatever that means to that group of people or whatever it looks like. Because I think by nature, we, we do hoard into groups and the idea of somebody taking the first step, there's so much hesitancy to do that. Yes. That somebody has to be the one to take the first step. And to me, that's the sign of the leader. There's a cost associated with being that person. Yeah. You know, but there's a benefit too. And, you know, a part of I think coming to grips with that role and being that person is understanding that you've got to take it all. Yes. You have to, you just, you just have to take it all. When you're right, you're right. When you're wrong, you're wrong. But somebody has to be the one to take the first step. Now the hope is I feel, and this is what I feel I observe that as a challenge of being a leader is when you look across when you look out to your group, who do you see as that person who has the capacity to take that first step, to be okay being wrong or and right because you can't do it forever. There's a transition that has to occur at some point in time. Is what I'm saying making sense? Yeah. Okay. No, I'm with you. I. I I'm following along perfectly fine because um, what you're describing is my experience. That is my experience. A succession plan is what, is what you're talking about. Mm. The thing about being a leader, like uh, I, I consider myself an eternal student. And I say this, I said this to my Capoeira master the last time we had a conversation. I said, bro, when I met you, you know, I had a full suitcase because I'm a life traveler. You know what I mean? I had, I had things packed in there. You know what I mean? I, you know, but I had an empty cup because I consider myself an eternal student. I had an empty cup to learn everything this person had to give me. I, you can't be a good leader if you're not a, not a good follower. I, everyone that's ever taught me in my whole life has been a true master. Every person. My dad, my mentors, you know what I'm saying? The person who showed me how to play soccer. These people are true masters. They really have mastered, and I was lucky enough to for whatever I exuded, they saw in me and invested in me. They invested in me. And I feel like part of it is like, I feel, um, it started from my, from my dad. My father, we didn't, you know, we didn't spend a lot of time watching TV and you know, I wanted to play Atari and I wanted to do all that Nintendo and I wanted to do all that. My parents would be like, dad has no value in your life. Sit around the table, get your books together. I remember doing the same to my daughter, taught her, teaching her a times table. The same way I, my dad taught me my times table. She was at school. People were like, how did you learn all this so fast? Like my dad taught me when I was like two. You know mm. what I mean? I was taking, you know, as a, as a little kid, I would give, just throw rocks down in front of her and just be like, show me three. Show me two sets of three. What is that? And that's how you create a mindset of how to problem solve. You know what I mean? So part of what happens when it comes to leading and it comes to the nurturing of a leader, because I think leaders also are nurtured. They're nurtured by mechanisms, neg negative or positive, from society and their community mm. and how they grow up. So in our Capoeira spot, one thing we do, I pay attention to the kids now 
who takes the initiative to jump out. Like when we say make a circle, which one of them are like, can you guys listen and make a circle? Hold hands, let's do this. That right there is a kid who needs, is, is taking the initiative to get this done, to, 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 to see the result of having this person standing in front of them commanding us to do stuff. What, what are you here for? I, shh, I want to hear this person talk. You know what I'm saying? And where this person is going. I seem to have been one of these people growing up. Um, when people were like, hey, everybody, line up. I noticed, who do they run behind? They mm. run behind someone. Yeah. <laughs> they don't run to the front of the line. <laughs> and if you see this individual who's just like, you know, they don't mind going front, they don't mind being the guinea pig, they don't mind failing first. Because the beauty of capoeira is when you get into that harder, when you get into that circle to play, a lot of people think in martial science, and oh, I'm the greatest fighter of all time. You have to be prepared to lose because it's possible. You have to be prepared to lose. Mm. And I think that's a part of it too when it comes to like the, this, this community thing. It's like the nurturing of the person. You have to see their abilities. You have to try to tell them to promote that skill. Like it's good that you see equity. It's good that you have empathy. Like sometimes I see some of my students humble. You can see it in their life living and I'm like, you're the one that deserves to have power. You should be a leader in this art form because you're not an abuser. You know what I'm saying? That, that already sets the tone for you to be a just person. It's just like picking a judge. You can't just pick any old person who went to law school and has a law degree to be a judge. This person has to be a just person. Mm -hmm. Like we're talking about somebody's life is in their hands. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think uh, leaders have to be nurtured. And I think that's some of the stuff I'm talking about in terms of community, creating com uh, equity in my community. What kind of mechanism do I have to make sure there's a succession plan that is in place so that this capoeira is not being run on my mentality as I change. So this organization shall change? No. There's a way to still be able to, like, wait a minute, you just went over here by three, four, five years of, you know, you're getting older. Why don't mm -hmm. you, let's see, what about shifting it back three years yeah. from the youthful perspective to see if you can influence a younger group of people, you know, which is why we have like a violinia group, a little tiny two-year-olds and three-year-olds who come in and just in the zone, have them feel the rhythm in their body, get the accustomed to moving their body in an animal type way. There's so many different things I've seen over the years that have changed the human body and human things. I, one thing we, we saw, I worked in, um, when I finished Howard, uh, you know, I had an internship at this place called IFES. Um, and I remembered watching people as they sat in their chairs for hours and hours at a time. And years later, I saw some of these people and they had what I called an office body. <laughs> okay. You know what I'm saying? Their butt is just flat from just sitting in that chair all day. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't think that's going to serve you well in life later on. I, I, like I told you, I, we were talking about you know, Generation Xers and us learning hygiene properly, learning certain things better mm. than, we, than our parents did. Like, my parents have missing teeth. You know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, it's very hard to see someone from the generation that our parents come from that don't have like false teeth right. or something. We, I still got, I mean, I got maybe a crown, but that's it. I got my teeth, I brush, I flossed. I did more than they even told me yeah. to do. Have yeah. more knowledge of it. You know, I, I see my, I go get a cleaning twice a, a year where yep. the dentist can cite things and jump in there and clean it up before it gets like half your face is gone. You yeah, know, like yeah. in the old days, you know? So I think our generation, we've discovered certain things about liberty, you know, in terms of like, how to live cleaner, how to live, to preserve a little bit more. And I think we, um, with our mentality, will we'll stretch and, 
and give people a better perspective. Because going back to the point of what you're talking about, you were talking about like creating a space for something like the art form to blossom, like arts in general, and saying the term starving artist really refers, has to, it, it's, it's almost like it's necessary, but it's, in my mindset, I'm like, it's not. If we change the trajectory of how we say someone is successful, you can't, a 20-something-year-old can't be successful like that. And you shouldn't have so many expectations of how much you are consuming in life as a 20-something-year-old. So to, so much that you've consumed so much coke and so much everything that you kill yourself. Yeah. Your, your mastery, you should know, oh my God, I have tapped into my paintings. I'm a 19-year-old in college. Imagine what I'll be like at 65 if I hone this skill. And so the artist, instead of being telling you, Give me everything you have now. I'll give you all the money you can eat and all the high-rise buildings you can live in now and you'll be dead by 30 versus going, yeah. go get a job. Go get an, a, a means of making a living. Can you hunt and then use the skins yeah. to make the art? You see what I'm yeah. saying? At least you'll still have hunting yeah. when your creativity, you'll still be eaten. But what we do is we give the artists an opportunity in our society because they, we, the, the capitalists, want to milk them early yeah. for the creativity and say, we've had the first piece of Basquiat. We had the best of Basquiat. Yeah. But instead of telling them, get a job, bro, you know what I'm saying, and, and produce your work at night, kind of like how Capoeira is like a, a side pastime to us. We're not twisted. We know we still need to find a way to make a living <laughs> yeah. in this environment where you don't make six figures. You can't live in D.C. You, may, you need to get yourself together. Yeah. You know, you got to have mechanisms that put that money out, that put that money in your hand. Yeah. Otherwise, you don't live here. And that's what we don't teach. That's what, that's what I'm saying. That's, yeah. what, that's, that's the thing I'm saying that is happening to us at the Capoeira Spot. We are paying attention to all that because it's like, how does this thing keep going on with free people? Not someone just depending on, like, for example, a monarchy. Everybody's jockeying, like, we got eight sons, all eight. Who's going to be king? Who's going to yeah, be king? Yeah. It shouldn't be like that. You're, you're living your life already. Nobody needs to be king here. <laughs> I always say sometimes the, the, the purpose of the acquisition of power is to give it away. Mm -hmm. you, if, you, if you do seek to attain it, it's only, it, should, it should only be at the service of giving it to us. Absolutely. Because you can't, like, holding it is toxic, I feel. It, it, goes. It, it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't, it, 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 uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Damn, it's a dope word. I can't think of the word. It'll come to you. Yeah, it, um, corrode, it's corrosive. Oh uh, yeah, that's the word, yeah, corrosive. Yeah, yeah, it word. is, I, you know what's funny? That's what I thought you wanted to say. <laughs> it was on the tip of my tongue. Yeah, it, um, yeah. and so, Rots away, man. You know? it, it, it it rots, man, like nuclear energy or something. Yeah. I um there's one thing that I always see when you're when you're when you're playing, man. And that's your daughter. <laughs> yeah. I am I am uh you mentioned something earlier before we got on and you were talking about what you see now as you play, as you, as you like play an instrument and stuff like that. Um, I'm always imagining you looking out and seeing your daughter because she's extremely efficient at what she does out there too. Like I feel like she's, and she embodies a lot of the stuff that I feel like we're talking about um, 
in terms of like these qualities and, and, and so forth and so on. And she's motivational. She's energetic. She's positive. She's, she steps in. This is just me on the outside looking in. I could be, I don't think I'm wrong. I'm not wrong, even if I am wrong. <laughs> so, but, yeah. What does that mean to you, man, to be as a as a dad, to be able to look out and like see her operating at a high level across many aspects of this shit? Yeah. Um, you know, I remember, you know, being her being a little child and, and I was just looking around and seeing, you know, like knowing, realizing that, you know, she has the burden of carrying being black and being a woman. You know how that works in this world, you know what I mean? And I said to myself, my God, all I want for her to do is have a fair chance. So at that point, I said to myself, what can I do? I have to trust the system. When I, what is the system? The system is teach up a child in the right way and they will not depart from it. I know it's kind of biblical and I did come from my grandmother taking me to church all the time, but it is true. All you can do as a parent is give them all the tools that you think they'll need. And one of them is communication, the, the, the ability to have your voice being heard. So we talk to her like a regular person. A lot of people say they enjoy conversations with her because she's like talking to an adult. We never hid anything from her. Nothing is hidden from my daughter, nothing. We just do what we do. You know what I mean? I'm not saying that sometimes we don't have a little gift we want to keep under the couch and then slip it out at Christmas or something. Right, we right, do that, right. but I'm just saying at the same time, I really want her to get a good understanding of what humanity is like way before she leaves the nest. So that by the time when she leaves the nest, she's fully prepared. I feel like she's fully prepared. And I, from, what, from the responses we've been getting from, from our community and from people who have gotten to meet her, I think she's getting there. I think she's getting to the point where when she goes off to inshallah to college you know, or to her life, I'll feel like whatever choice she sees making is gonna be based on some tutelage that we and the community have given to her, and I just have to accept what that person is, who that person is, and trust that that future that that person is gonna create for themselves is gonna be functional for them. So it makes me feel great, man. I, I, um, I wished that um, I could do that for every child. I wish that every, you know, and I, I, I don't even feel like I'm anywhere particularly because she's like 17, you know, there's still so much can happen. I'm still like, you know, you know, making, you know, I don't wanna, and I'm, a, I'm kind of a, as I told you, leading from the back type thing, I try not to throw my stuff out there because I don't want anybody to step on it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So I won't gloat and brag and stuff like that. It's like, it's one thing if you see me do something amazing and you're like, oh, wow, that's, then that's like, we can talk about it, but I don't need to gloat and brag because, you know, like, again, I don't, I don't want to be the target of anybody. You know what I mean? And I don't know why, but the same thing that can make you super popular and loved yeah. to make you the most hated and unpopular as hell. But, but that's what you are, though. This is true. I mean, like, you don't... I, to me, that is the flex, though. Mm -hmm. the, the flex, like, even when... I, I don't think I've ever... This is before Zendo and I even first started dating, because I would come to the... To the Bachezados yeah. when Ashay and the boys yes, would correct, train. Correct. I don't. I don't recall ever seeing you like <laughs> play play. Yeah. Most of it is. Um. 
what's the word? I can't think of the word. You're admin running. Stuff. Yeah, you're you're or or even when you're like playing an instrument, mm-hmm. a, a bit and bow or, or something, or you're moving things around, like. I feel like you're in charge of like the vibe. Facilitator. Facil- like a DJ. Yeah, facil- you're, you're facilitating the vibe yeah. and the energy. And there are things that you're doing, not from a movement standpoint to do that, but just you're observing who needs to jump in, who needs to participate more, who needs to sing a little bit louder, who needs to be a little bit more in tune with the instrument. Like the, that's what I feel that you're doing. Mm-hmm. And that feels like the dopest part yes. of, the, of what it's like, okay, I've already proven myself. I've done all of this shit. Now, now I can see things in a way and, and lead or, or recommend that these things be adjusted to shift the vibe of what it is that we're trying to do. Me just coming in and flipping and flexing mm-hmm. won't contribute to this thing. Absolutely. But you're still the leader, though. That's clear. Mm-hmm. But it's just a different way of leading. Yes. You call it the back, but it very much feels up front to me as the observer. I love that. Yes. Now, maybe you say back because it makes you feel better about, like, not doing the flips. And Pesci Boy, by the way, is my yeah. favorite. Like, yeah. I, I, feel like I, I, I feel like if I were to ever play, that I would... That's what you want to look like. I would, right? I would, like, I like, it's just something about, like, his movement, man. Like, graceful, with his graceful. size, it's graceful. graceful, graceful That's the word. Right. It's just, it's just, it's graceful. But anyway, it's very much, it's very much up front. Yeah. It, it, it is, it, it doesn't feel like the back, though. Right. So, um, yes, it's good. You know, you're talking about, you probably started seeing me in the umpteen years. I can't put it in by that point because, you know, you're talking about, I'm in my 25th year now in Capoeira, and um, in 2014, almost 10 years ago, I was 40 years old, right? Um, and I, I entered this tournament in Seattle that my master they hosted, and um, I was two points from winning the whole thing, you know what I mean? I, got, I came in second place in that wow. tournament, and all of my students who entered the tournaments, all the levels, my students either won first and second, second and third, first and third, or just one of them all together. It, it, to me, that said a lot. And even for people who saw me in that tournament, my brothers who in the same group with me came to me off on the side <laughs> later on and was like, Ren, Mosego, I didn't even know you could play capoeira like that. And in my mind, that was a, like a gleeful, happy moment for me because I don't believe in shining out front all the time because I feel like that will burn your light out and I feel like it gives people too much of an opportunity to scrutinize you. And, and, and I'm not mm. saying I don't want to be scrutinized. I, I, want to, I want to be counseled, but I don't want to be, like Facebook is not my thing. Like you don't see me posting up videos. I just don't, it's not my thing. You want to know about me? Come to my house. You want to see me flip? Come to my house. All my students have seen me do all that. I got tons of videos of me back in my time when I'm, you know what I mean? I'm you know, 48 years old now, you know what I mean? I still feel great and I still can jump over this couch and do all that stuff. But it's like, when it comes to a, I, I follow a principle by 
one of the creators of the what we celebrate as a bachizado, and that's Mestre Bimba. Mestre Bimba's philosophy is that, that you know, he's the one that made Capoeira recognize what it, as it is today. Like it was illegal before in Brazil in late 1800s during an industrial age. And if you were caught, you were imprisoned, tend and cut. All kinds of different stuff happened to you, beaten by the police. And so Mestre Bimba, they couldn't use um, certain words to describe Capoeira. So he created the word Luta da Regional Bahia, Baiana, you know what I mean? And um, the, the, the art form called started, Capoeira became Regional Capoeira. Mm. And he did a presentation for the government of Brazil, the, pre the president of Brazil. And so there were documents now making Capoeira more so a folkloric art and less of a vagabondry thing, you know what I'm saying? Okay. And people just putzing around. And his philosophy was the machizado and, 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 um, public display of capoeira should celebrate what it is doing. Like for example, bachizado is to celebrate a student's advancement from one rank to the next. It's not supposed to have me out there jumping around. To, I'm not, it's not a circus show. Okay. I'm not supposed to be out there, you know, um, sorry, uh, whatchamacallit, uh, shining on you only. I'm, I show you what I have. You know what I can do. You can see me flip. You can see me fight. You can see me do all that. And it, if you come to like Thursday night, you come to Friday night when it's not a public event where we're one inside of the space with each other where we're, we're playing, you see us getting it. But at the same time, for what we do, at the end of every event, people are thirsty. People need food. People need to be carted back to their houses. None of this can happen if somebody doesn't coordinate it. And I think a lot of people... I see this all the time. I, this morning I had a discussion with my, with my family where it's like, you know, with our new recent situation, we have to decide what we're going to do. We have a Capoeira spot is the name of a building that we're doing stuff, but we need a, there's a name that we need to be associated with. And I was like, why do we need to have a name? You know? And they were explaining to me, they were like, well, you, you, we, we, we might need to have a name because, oh, I didn't even know you had a cat. We need to do this because... People need to know what it is you're about. They need to know what, like you said, a vision, a mission. What are you about? When you see some of these other capoeira groups and they decide, they have their mission. Oh, our, we are going to we promote the Afro-Brazilian martial art of capoeira and we intend to try to create a better fighting style by incorporating other arts to it. When you go to their house, what do you expect to get? You expect to get rumble. These people yeah. are trying to, mill, they're trying to create better martial arts. So that's what their mission is. When you look at our mission, it's not, that's not our only mission. Our mission is to foster the Brazilian, the Afro-Brazilian martial arts of Capoeira too in and around the DC community area, but also to ex help the kids explore their creative energy and to build community around this art form. You know what I mean? That, that, is, that, is, that is the source of why I make decisions the way I make decisions. How am I gonna have a succession plan when I am just trying to beat up everybody on my level. Yeah. How am I going to be part of a succession plan when all of my thoughts are about me being on top, me being number one, me being the shiny one all the time? There's mm -hmm. ways to shine other than being the best of everything. And no one is. I have this philosophy that no one is the best of anything. You're not the best of anything. It's, but you can know how to work inside of your community. And that's, if, if anybody wants to mm. put me up on, in, in terms of like, uh, give me a, a Grammy or something for that, talk to me about, when I say Grammy, I'm talking about an award. I'm just talking about, talk to me about 
community building and facilitating the needs of peoples and, and, and because we, they'll be here tomorrow when you have already been. And if you're not seeing that, then I don't understand. I'm not saying that you shouldn't live your life and enjoy it right now. I'm not saying that. I think you should. I think you should do that. But who are you to decide to a person that living their life is not winning all the time and being on top? And who are they to say that yeah. me providing a succession plan is not? You know, because you see the history of Capoeira. The history of Capoeira and the history of many art forms is there's many great names that have come in the past, but they have left no legacy. Yeah. And not everybody needs to leave a, leave a legacy. Not everybody wants to leave, leave a legacy. Not everybody should. Not everybody's motivated to. <clears throat> I just think it came up in my, my lifetime. It just came up as you created something special in D.C. and we sh it should be here in the future. And that's the importance, I feel, of committing to something. Man. Mm -hmm. Because overall, you don't know, you have an idea, but... What does bringing that idea forth look like? It has to be done through the process of committing. And, but once you commit, it, it, can sh it, it turns into something else because it was really just a, a, a seed of an idea that it can grow. Like when I, as I'm hearing you talk about being in that restaurant, community like you just know you wanted to keep playing capoeira it was mm -hmm. something that was in you that you didn't you know none of the eight was ready to give it up but but like your your relationship to the function and the purpose has expanded in a way that has really just given you an opportunity to show up in a way that makes you the most useful to bring that mission forth yes I like that because even though it might have started about you, your ego's in check enough to a way, in a way to let you put that stuff to the side to where, like, I need to change, I need to shift. Like, this is bigger than just yes. these flips. Yes, I said that. Those, I used those exact words. It's bigger than, what's bigger is to watch a bunch of, 12-year-olds doing those flips across the way that you taught them. That is so much more powerful. You know, it's like when you see, I remember taking a, I went one time up to Rockville back in my 20s when we started this. I was like, I got to get me these, got to get this look, this gymnastic look. So I started doing this gymnastics exercise. The teacher was 60-something <laughs> years old, this guy from Russia. And even in my young, arrogant, 20-something-year-old self, I was like, you're having me doing all these back handspring drills. Let me see you do one. Sure enough, you did it. 60-something years old. That's what I want to be right there. He never, he didn't have to, he, when I started the class, he wasn't like, here's what you're going to get. He didn't do that. He's like, you respected me enough to pay me to teach you, so here's, here's the techniques. And then when I said, can you show me one? He was like, I'm like, whoa. Yes, because mastery is not showing off. You know, it's like, I don't know, man. I, I've always, I, that my daughter started calling me the keeper of all miscellaneous information. I'm sorry, I just scratch my neck. She started calling me the master of, the, the keeper of miscellaneous information. There was a time where we would be, like, I, I love studying and I love decompressing at night 
by reading or you know, research, you know, and just getting into myself, analyzing my day, so on and so forth. And in that process, I learned a lot of things, you know what I mean? Because I speak a couple of languages also, or I should say I can communicate in a couple of languages also. So I'm always looking to learn a new word in these languages, you know what I mean? Whether it be in a conversation, I heard something like, I'm not afraid to be like, what does that mean? Explain that to me too, please, because I, this, I learned to like, no, I'm a learner. I'm try, you, yeah. you might be good at having good diction, but can you cook a good curry chicken? You know mm. what I'm saying? Mm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You might be able to cook a good curry chicken, but can you explain it to somebody yeah. how to do it? Yeah. So I, I pride myself in trying to find an equilibrium, finding I would like to be able to do all of these well. I didn't say master all these. Yeah. I just like to be able to do all of these well. When people talk about jack of all trades and master of none, I've always said it's not, that's not the way I see it. You know, it's not the way I see it. All skills are useful. Yeah. All skills are useful. So you might be a jack in your 20s, but in your 40s, you're not a jack. You understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. yeah, you're not a jack. You might have mastered 10 damn things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You see what I'm saying? So it's like, you know, being able to um, facilitate growth, I think, is something that I don't know why. I feel that way. I, I, last thing, I listened to a lot of interviews and I, I heard an interview with, um, um, it was Gregory Isaacs, the cool ruler, Jamaican singer. He okay. sings that Night Nurse song, you know? And um, a lot of people love his music. And they were like, yo, at what point did you feel this and feel that about music? And he said, man, listen to me, man. It's inspiration from the creator. I can't say it any other way. He goes, some men got the ability to break into houses some got the ability to, to steal money from people, you know, break, uh, rob people or manage guns. I got the ability to sing. Creator bless me with that. And I'm going to do it until I can't do it no more. And that's just the way it is. And I was like, wow. You know, he's unapologetic about it. And I think you're <laughs> unapologetic about the work that you're doing now. And it comes, it, it stems from the... the uh, we were having a conversation a couple of weeks ago and we talked about you coming on and you were talking about it all being the work of the soul. Yeah. And is that what you feel has shifted in your relationship to Capoeira? Like it, it, what do you see now that you didn't see when you started? Ooh. Beautiful question, man. You got me like it's hot. Um, what I didn't see in the beginning was the transition that, that, that you're going to go through throughout the whole process. Some are bigger than others. Like I'm at a transitional phase right now where it's like, what are you about? You know what I mean? What, what, what is your capoeira about? What do you represent? And, you know, are you looking to be validated by others or have you been validated by your community? Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like I was telling you about how a leader is created. It's like, I think the nurture of your community validates you. Like when you're, I'm sitting in here, somebody sees you helping kids making a circle or sees you helping clean up the room, they, that validates you as that individual. Like that is the personality, that is the trait of that individual, the class monitor. I want that class monitor to be innately willing to clean up the classroom, willing mm. to pick up papers, you know what I'm saying? Willing to do this. It's, it's something like, so I'm at a phase now where um, 
what is my capoeira? What, what, is, what is my capoeira about? Am I teaching capoeira for self-defense? Am I teaching capoeira for, for community building? What capoeira am I doing? Because the, the capoeira that the, uh, the Brazilian people, the Afro-Brazilians created was a capoeira of self-determination when it started from, say, Ganga Zumba, not Ganga Zumbi, which I heard somebody say the other, Ganga Zumba, to Zumbi, and all these other names of, of warriors that preserved the capoeira. The capoeira they, they did was a different capoeira than the capoeira I'm doing. The capoeira they did was a capoeira that, was, that, that had to combat a, a, a ramen ball musket. You know what I'm saying? I mean, these people fought against many armies who came into Brazil to try to subdue the, the terrain. They wanted the land of Brazil. It's rich. It's them. They're still trying to get it now. You know what I mean? And they mm -hmm. fought these people off particularly not just to recapture them and put them back into servitude to build their wealth like we know what colonization did to, you know, the imbalance of European wealth versus Afro people's wealth. You know, that was the main thing. But they fought them off, utilizing capoeira at the time. So a capoeira is a Russian at someone with a ram ball musket. It's not going at the same velocity as an M16 today yeah. or, or, yeah. or, or, or AK. So you might be able to dodge, move a little bit, get a shoulder wound. I still got my machete and a club in my hand. You got a ram ball. By the time you've done that, I'm on top of you. I win. If I can kill two or three soldiers like that, dodging and weaving in between, fighting against bayonets is a different style of war. But today, the war is not physical like that for us anymore as a people. These people are waging spiritual warfare on us. They're waging communal warfare on us. When I say these people, it's like, this has never changed in any empire. When I say that, I'm just like, it just happens to be we are where we are where right we today. Are. Those of us who are intellects know that. We're not sitting up here. Like I tell people, the best thing that could have happened to me is my parents telling me who I was. You're black. You have to, yes, you're sorry, you have to work a little harder. Sorry, you have to be smarter. <laughs> you know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? Sorry, you have to be all this. But mm -hmm. that's what it takes to move ahead, my son. It's this, this place sucks. Life sucks. And that's just the way it is. You know what I mean? Then let me know. So I'm just saying the kind of war they fought, the kind of need they had for the capoeira in its physical form or its an intellectual form or its in its communal form is different than it is today. Today we have lawyers. We have all these other things. <laughs> yeah. you know, we don't need, we, can, we still can bring people up on reparations, charges, and whatever we think. That can be fought in the courts. But out here, how do you maintain your self-determination without actually being out there with the knuckles bruised up? Like boxing, you think I would, I'd tell every person out there, I don't care how your wealth is and your status is, you need to know how to use your hands, especially as a young man coming up. I'm not talking about girls don't fight or nothing like that, but I know we bam bam, we do bam bam. Yeah, yeah. You see what I'm saying? So I know, I don't care how my parents told me not to fight in school, yeah, we knuckle dusted, it's go, somebody gonna swing on you and you better be ready. You know, that's yeah. just the way it is. Yeah. So do I recommend youth be in a boxing gym working off their frustrations yeah. and learning to build their primal, certain primal skills? Hell yeah. It helps too, because yeah. you're not, you're, you're, life changes when you realize you're not as fragile as you think you are. Because yes. there's a lot of fear associated with some of this aggression that, 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 that people have. And it's like the equalizer. If, if everybody's fighting, if everybody knows how to fight and everybody's training, the idea that those two people are going to, it just shifts the relationship to the physical costs associated with these two people competing in yes. this way. Yes. Because you both know that this is what you both are capable of. So let's try to use a different <laughs> means. That's the reason why. You got this nuclear superpower, superpower and this nuclear superpower. Yes. 
I got to I got to knuckle up with these nukes because this is the only thing that's going to allow us to have a conversation. conversation. If you're the only one with them, then you're just going to just start beating me up and bullying me. And I, we understand these things when it's on a global, national, yes. intercontinental scale. But it's almost it's almost as if it we think it shouldn't apply when it's just on a one to one ratio. But the the philosophy is the same. Yes, it's a micro versus a macrocosm yeah, of all these. Exactly, things, you know? bro. Let me tell you, man. And that's this is why I so promote. And if you sh if you could find me something else like capoeira. The community element, mm. the, the, even with the things that I'm, 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 I'm also, let me tell you something, bro. I know this is about a lot about me, but I have to tell you, I have a team, bro. This team that I have is the key because part of like a lot of these realizations comes from watching my, my wife, my partner, my, you know, another high level capoeirista work. You know, I was blessed like that. It's also watching some of my other students evolve. Like you're talking about Pesci Boy and Tony. Watching him move is giving and, and give, teaching him the basics that I knew and then his natural innovative uh, creative energy being becoming that showed me, wow. You know, imagine if you can now get this out of a student before they leave to go to yeah. college at 18. Because that's my, my new plan now is to focus on the youth. The graduation that you'll get to, 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 to either create the succession plan or to avoid the crab in a barrel mentality is you will buy that here at 18 with the scholarship. With the young people. And if you're going to stay at home, you're going to know you're going to need, you want to work for the organization to help improve. There's no jockeying for power and position. Who's the executive director? Who is the this? If, if at that time that changes, it changes. But at that time, you will work within this, this atmosphere versus you having the opportunity at 18 to go off to college. And because I, like I tell my daughter about Capoeira, you know, when she tells me, she, we have some stuff going on and I, and I keep cryptically talking about it the whole time. Understood. But, yeah. Um, but she's like, Dad, this don't really affect me. This doesn't affect me because my future is ahead of me. This is just something, and I said to her, ding, baby girl. Because me, when I got into Capoeira, I was uh, impressed by these people who are now older men. That was 20 years ago. Yeah. This is 20 years later. What's 20 years from now gonna look like? This is why a succession plan must be made in, and put in place. And this is why the kid, the youth must be taught. Like, I said to her, you are the people they're gonna be looking at on videos in the future. You and your yeah. peer group, you and your friends who are, will become the future, prepare for that. Don't yeah. worry about the past. Time is undefeated. Time is undefeated. <laughs> <laughs> okay. yeah. It will, it will, it will, and it and it and it moves a lot faster. Yes. Than we than we think it does. Yep. You know. And but the thing about it too though, I you know, Egypt, Egyptology wasn't created by us brown people to keep right. track of our greatness. It was created by other people to try to whiten out. The knowledge, right? Yep. But I said to myself, my God, what, these, what, what, what is it about this knowledge that inherently we know, this experience that we inherently we know that other people want to chronicle and want to put into perspective? Why is it that we're not putting so much energy into so much of these other things? Because there's different ways for us to pass our knowledge, right? Mm -hmm. Like when we talk about, for example, an instrument, the, the tambourine, 
as far as we know, goes back to ancient Mesopotamia, probably in ancient Egypt. And Egypt wasn't the oldest empire back then. You can't tell me that mankind wasn't putting a skin over a piece of mm -hmm. log and making some sound and, yeah, and yeah. have dances. And you can't tell me that people weren't intellectual back then. I think we just keep reinventing ourselves. People yeah. just keep dying out. The climaxes rise, the yep. empires rise and fall. Now to the point where you won't find these bricks. These bricks won't exist anymore two, two million years from now or they whatever won't. the case may be. And so I said to myself, how is it that we keep a track of this knowledge? How is it you keep track of this? It has to be through the arts and through the, 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 these means and these mechanisms. And when I say that you keep track of certain things, it's like, okay, knowledge grows, right? It, it, it's infinite out here. Like if we're talking about mathematics, right? There's so much about mathematics we still don't know, right? Mm -hmm. And we teach what we know. But when we do break into some, into some knowledge, and I'm not talking about Neil deGrasse Tyson showing us this graphic design stuff on TV. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm talking about literally you finding something else. Like we know about the power of the shape of a triangle, the power of the shape of a square, all these different things. What else is there yet to discover when we discover it, whether it be other elements in the atmosphere that we couldn't see because we didn't, our microscopes scope weren't, you know, far, small enough or whatever. You know what I'm saying? There's stuff out here still to discover. But I say to myself, how do you keep track of stuff that's already been tried and tested and works? Just like I talked about primitive skills. Mm -hmm. I don't want the idea of rubbing two sticks together to make a fire to go away just because we invented a lighter. But you know how it... I've been toying with this idea. Mm -hmm. Mainly been using it... Um, you watch, you know, um, the movie Interstellar? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, wow. There's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, um, there's a layer that we communicate on that this information is passed down through. And that layer is love. Mm. There's, that's where you store the information. You store it in the love that you pass down. When you teach your daughter how to do that, you're not teaching her how to do that just for the sake of teaching her how to do that. Right. You're teaching her how to do that because you love her mm -hmm. and you want her prepared to take care of herself to sustain through. So it is the love the same way with you passing the information down yeah. to the young people with the capoeira. It's your love that it's, pa that, that it's the love for that, 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 that the universe uses to pass this information down. Mm. And I got it from the interstellar thing when I was watching it and he was trying to communicate all of this complex information on how they were going to build this thing. Yeah. And he had to think of a way to get it to her. And he used his daughter's love for him mm -hmm. to put it through the watch. Yep. He could have stored that stuff anywhere, but he knew that she loved him enough that she would never get rid of that watch. Yeah. So he used the love that he had, that she had for him to communicate all of that information that they needed. Yeah. It's passed down through our love. I, I agree with that, man. I agree with that. I, I do. I, and that's what, that's the purpose of art. Mm-hmm. That's the purpose of art. You know what I mean? It's like, 
I, I, you know, for some reason that Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo, those guys, are, I, you know, people talk about them, they're, they talk about them great now, but those guys painted those paintings and did those works of art out of love. It's not just to remember me, it's like love of working and understanding this clay, love of working and understanding this marble, understanding this painting, understanding how to depict this knowledge. And part of it too is to teach people. Mm -hmm. To teach people. Most artists, they don't just paint something to just not teach, to, to, not, to not show something. It's to show something. It's to show something. You know, some people might, they might paint a painter a picture of Bob Marley or something like that. But just to remind them of the philosophy of Bob. I want to remind the world of Bob. Yeah. I want to remind the world of Ali. I want to remind my community of Malcolm. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. That's why people do these things. It's not, it's not, it's to teach. It's to, to, to keep the memory. <clears throat> I don't know if I should be saying it now here, but I, I have an idea of a new clothing line. Not a clothing line. I want it to be possibly t-shirts and just sweat sweaters. Of how I'm going to teach. I'm going to give people the opportunity to see certain, not, it only needs to be subliminal, certain straight messages without needing to be cryptic. It doesn't need to have a whole movie behind it. It's just in words that hammer you every day. Look at your shirt. Your shirt says fear of God. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. If, if you have, if, if it's bright enough, if people are focused on it enough, we need to start getting people to start seeing messages, man. Simple messages, man. <laughs> Simple messages, not complicated messages. You know what I mean? And, and I'm talking about is like, I think you can change community this way by hammering people with love, with positive messages. Instead of negative messages, obviously negative messages and messages in general work. How about we hammer them with positive messages? So I have some stuff. I don't want to talk about it too much because I don't want it to get out there. But I, people like you, I'd want to be a part of it because we know, first of all, you're full of style and you're, you know, what you wear, people are going to look you, at. Brother. And if I, getting you doing this, see, sending these messages, you know what I mean? Getting people like us sending and walking around with these messages all the time. Is, is, a, is a start to something. That's what Timberland does when they have their, right? That, it, dude, we need to definitely talk offline mm -hmm. because there's stuff that I'm working on offline. I, I, I agree 100% and believe that, and that is a part of this thing that I'm doing because I do feel the reality is we're talking the question is, what are we saying? Mm -hmm. Some of us don't know what, what we're, we're saying, saying, but we're saying something. Yes. A woman puts on an outfit that makes her look whatever kind of way she looks. She's saying something. What is she saying? And we can say things, positive things. We can communicate positive thoughts with, with what we wear and use that to be powerful. Absolutely. To, 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 to poke peak antennas or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, what is, you're a cantata mestre now, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, mestre is the highest level that you can attain in Capoeira. Am I correct? 
I thought so, and I got into some trouble by answering this question. But from my experience and what I learned in Capoeira recently, I mean, in the, over the years, yes, um, as far as I know, being elevated to a level called Mestre by your community, particularly because Capoeira before in the past was not groups. It okay. wasn't a group that elevated you. It was a community and the amount of work you did and what you did for your community that elevated you to that level of Mestre. Yes, and it is known as the highest level, the term Mestre, yes. Now you are slated to be ordained with this title, right? Mm-hmm. How does that make you feel? Um, particularly right now, I have mixed emotions and mixed feelings about it. Um, initially, at the time, um, when I heard the information, um, I, I was still trying to digest it because I had enough time to prepare for it in reference to, say, getting to a ceremony or getting to a place. So I, I'm a person who likes to take my time. My mom always says to me whenever we go to eat, I go to her house and she makes my plate. And people are like, oh, give him more food. And she says, you don't understand how my son, he eats, he's slow. He eats slowly, he savors his food. And so the same thing with me with certain situations. I like to savor situations, you know what I mean? And um, I think, as I said, I've been like an ostrich with my head down into the ground working, doing the community work so long that I didn't see certain things materializing around me. But I, I, I feel like this process is, a, is an ongoing process. I don't think it's a process of like, you've arrived now process. I think um, a person sees anybody at a high level of um, manifestation of, of anything that they're doing, they want to call them master naturally. You know what I mean? I mean, when I see the way you manage your business and you do your stuff, like, I, you know what I mean? I'm, I, I'm giddy with like, yo, this, this brother is the man. Thank you. You know, and I, when I say that, I'm saying to me, you're a master of what you do because you're getting results. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? You're living off of it. You know what I'm saying? You're, you have clearly mastered it. That's why I say when you meet an 84-year-old person or a 60-something-year-old person, how did they get that far? They must have mechanisms of support that feeds them, keeps them out of trouble, yeah. <laughs> you know, motivates them, That's propels a good them. Point. So this is why I respect older people and people getting older, which is why I promote this for the artists. Like, wait to get your flowers before trying to get them now and dying at 30. You know, find ways to keep your life going. So I'm just saying, how do I feel about that process? I feel like I'm glad to be to know that my work is being recognized. I'm glad to know that the community um, sees what I'm doing as, um, and, 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 and embraces it as a, a potential path for the future, for the youth. Because, and when I say that, I'm talking about, it's different to, what's the difference in between, between being a capoeira master and a taekwondo master? Well, I feel like the difference is that there's so many more taekwondo people around and not a lot of capoeira people around. It makes you feel a little bit more special about this weirder, esoteric, more newer on the block thing that a lot of people don't know about. And it's not thrown around readily like any other martial art yeah, out of yeah. people's mouth. So you don't feel common, you know what I'm saying? But at the same time, I think for me, people, when they hear that term, they'll say, damn, that's a person who has been through some battles. You know what I'm saying? That's a person who has gone out and done some hunting you know, and has brought back some meat to feed that community. And even if it's just one time, you bring something back and then you're giving of yourself. 
And also that person can manage themselves because at the end of the day about capoeira, don't get it twisted. You got to be able to manifest the physical of capoeira, which is capoeira is malicia, manjinga, and malandragi. Those three words, malicia, manjinga, malandragi. What do they mean? Malicia is like trickery, right? Manjinga is utilizing a kind of ma magic. You know, when I say magic, manjinga is literally like this, uh, translated as magic, but it's not just magic. It's like being able to sell a six for a nine. Kind of if you're fighting someone, they throw dirt in your face. That's called using manjinga. You know what I mean? Or malandragi. Because malandragi comes from the word malandro, which is more like a thievery, negative connotation of being able to sell someone a six for a nine. But the point that those three words really mean in English is that when people say to me, oh, you're a master, you're a teacher, you're this, you're that, you're a father, what allows you to make right decisions? I'm neither good nor bad. I'm neither right or wrong. I just make decisions and accept the consequences and I go along. And then I'm saying and I sit back and I analyze these decisions. Hopefully they're good tribal decisions. There are many decisions that I make that are better for me and my tribe that I am not happy with. You know what I'm saying? Because <laughs> I want to do the wrong thing. My, my gut wants to do the right. And anybody who sits up here and tells you like, oh, yeah, I make right decisions. No. Oftentimes, the decisions that are right for my family, my community, and other places, not oftentimes, but sometimes, they're not the decisions you want to make. You want to make the wrong decision. You want to buy the Snicker bar. You don't want to buy the apple. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You, want a, you want a quick sugar fix. You don't want that real long, you know what I mean? And so I think it's about you know, analyzing your life, analyzing your situations. How does this decision affect you and your family and your community? That's where a person could be thought of as having some special abilities by controlling the ego, controlling your own needs, putting yourself not in front of everybody, but, you know, kind of like putting the main thing that's in front of you in front of you. You know what I'm saying? Denying yourself that. You know, even, even when, like I said, sometimes you want to make the bad decision, but you, you have to make the right decision for the benefit of everybody, including yourself. Do you feel like you're misunderstood? Oh, always. That's one of my favorite songs. That's one of my favorite songs. I'm learning to play it on guitar now. The, the, please don't let me be misunderstood. So, so I Why think, do you think you are, though? Um, I think that there's some cultural things here. I think there's some cultural differences between me and, and people in, in, in America and some of my, my age, my peer group members. I think, I think sometimes when people think of self-determination, they don't, they don't know that it can burn so hard in, in certain people. They don't, especially like, you know, I'm from, you know, I'm from further down south than you guys are from. You know what I'm saying? And you know, the further down south you were from, the further it, it, it's harder to get up north. God damn, I, you know, I wasn't landlocked and easy as it is from Alabama to get to New York. It's easier to get from Alabama to New York. I can walk. Mm -hmm. But to, the self-determination it takes to get across the water to come up north is, is a lot. And sometimes I think Because of the way the system is set up, there are certain inerrant things that are in us that we oftentimes have to fight. Things that we think about each other, things that we think about our neighbor, things that other people, we hear other people saying, even sometimes our own parents who are wrong, our own family members 
who are, as we know, we grew up in all kinds of different eras. You, if you were white, you hear your, some family members grow up using the word the N-word negatively, and you had to come to your said, yeah, I ain't gonna use that word. You know, or you grew up in an anti-LGBTQ community where that was a popular thing, and you, you lived to that community, but now you live in a world that you have to be more accepting of that. You, we all have to be pliable, again, malleable, and be needing to change continuously. Otherwise, if you just stay stuck in your ways, you become obsolete. You know, abso abs yes, obsolete. Absolute. Yeah, that's the word. Obsolete, right? yeah, yeah. Obsolete, yeah. So um, I find that being misunderstood oftentimes is not taking into, into consideration who you're talking to. What is this person's means of self-determination? When a person meets me, they have to understand where do I come from? You know what I mean? Why am I so determined? to prove myself? Why am I so determined to prove myself to myself? Why am I so, so, so determined to succeed? What does it mean to me? What, for example, you know, these, again, this cryptic situation that's going on that I talk about all the time. Yeah. My daughter looks, she's, she's watching me to see how I'm reacting to this, to see what kind of decision I'm gonna make. This is gonna craft how she views men in her future. This is gonna craft how she visualizes somebody who wants to claim to be the leader of her family the leader of her community, whether she wants to fall in line or she needs to usurp that power or whatever for the better of or whatever. I don't know what's going, you know, where this is going to take her, but I know that people are watching me in this situation to see how I'm going to react. Just like in 2014, that tournament, I, I told you it was, it was, that was such a pivotal time for me. 40 years old, here I am, I go out to Seattle with about 20, 30 or 40 students, right? All my students enter into the tournament when it's time for us, the teachers, to sign up. Everybody was looking like, ah, my knee was bothering me and everybody was complaining, my shoulder, my back, my neck, my neck, you know. But I still went up there, signed up my name, got my mind ready. And um, I knew my students were lit sitting there looking like, yeah, ninja, you've been talking all this martial crap. Here is your chance. You have a choice to sign up for this thing and then show us what you got. No one said that to me. But I, my spidey senses were telling me that was happening, and I knew it was time. So I signed up for the tournament, and I went in there, and I showed them who I was. And I remembered people going, boy, oh boy, oh boy. And I was like, yes, I, I, do you understand me now? Do you understand me a little bit? I don't have to show you everything right now, but don't get it twisted. You're not pressing me enough for, you to, for me to show you the, the depths of my self-determination. You're not pressing me like that. You're pressing me like that. So I keep enough in the tank to self, to, to, in terms of self-determination to get myself out of ruts, including mental ruts, where when you feel like everybody's against you, how do you keep yourself going? Because you believe in you. You know what you are. You know that you're not doing anything wrong. You know that you're not... Um, mistreating people, you're not doing something for purely for egotistical purposes or for self-aggrandizing or whatever the word is, you know what I mean? But you're just, you're called to do these things. I, I, I hate to use those words. You see, I'm trying to avoid talking about ordained and... No, and I got you. I hate to use those words because who, who the hell made, made you think that somebody gave you power to do? And so for me, it's like, I don't know sometimes why I pick these battles, the fights. I just pick them. And when I pick them, I, if, I, if, I, if I hone in on something, I can't stop till, it's, till I've achieved it. Are you better? I'm, I'm just now coming around the corner mm -hmm. of accepting being misunderstood. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm just like literally, I'm, I'm, I just hit the block. 
I'm, of being okay. I just found out. Because it, <laughs> it, it, it bothers me to think that I spend all of this time thinking about something and plotting and planning something out and then my inability to articulate it in a way that makes sense to someone else is converted into them thinking that I don't know what I'm talking about or that they just don't get it at all. And sometimes that, the fear of that makes me not wanna say anything or it might come out as frustration and now my ego is getting involved, but it's actually me protecting myself and it's a, it's a form of fear for me when really I should just say, I'm struggling trying to communicate this thing and I don't know how to do it in the right way. Now I'll be like, you mother. And it's really me not being able to say, create space to even explain the confused, the, the, right. you know, the gray area yeah, yeah. or whatever. Are you, where are you in your being okay with being misunderstood? Um, I am doing well with it. I'm doing well. I, I, when I say I'm doing well, I, um, If, if there were no fruits of my labor, then I could see me questioning myself. Mm. If there were no fruits from this labor, you know what I'm saying? If, 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 I wasn't, if I wasn't getting verification from the right sources, then I could say something's up. But part of my thing that I discovered was if you build it, they'll come. And if you build it and they come, they're willing to be a part of something that you visualize. And that's what I've done. I stayed in my lane. Stayed in my lane. My lane involves this area. When a person walks into my door now, I got, gray, I got gray hair now, I got gray beard, you know what I'm saying? I got gray mustache. So it's very hard for somebody to look at me now, you know, in D.C., in my Howard sweatshirt, and think I don't know something, especially if I'm in a building doing something and people are walking up to me saying something like, what does that person know? My mentor, uh, my, my, in, the, in, the, in the commercial real estate game, he became my mentor because everywhere I went to look for a building to facilitate my capoeira, his name was on the list. He owned a building on the list. A black man in D.C. Mm. And one, then I found out my neighbor was his cousin. And she called him and was like, can you take, take this young man under your wing? And That's a hell of a coincidence. It is a hell of a coincidence. And the one thing he kept saying to me over and over all the time, Ren, he's like, Ren, I started off and I built steps. I didn't ask anybody to borrow money for me to buy these buildings. This man died and left $10 million worth of commercial property in D.C. $10 million worth of commercial buildings. And you saw him driving down the street, you wouldn't know. You just, I just knew. I'm just like, every time I see you, you're reading the document. So when I started with him, he started me out reading just the lease agreements till I recognized that all lease agreements were similar, minus one or two little things. So he goes, that's why when you read a lease agreement, you don't need to do that. You, you skim that part, make sure the words, the percentages and the things that you're looking for are in there. But you go straight to what the person's intent is. And he showed me certain things about the game. 
And in that process, he told me several things. One of them is don't fall in love with the bricks. And the other is sometimes it's better to have access to something than it is to own it. And the last one was, if you build it and you create your world and somebody steps into your world, they, don't, they can't step into, they don't have the right to step into your world with the need that they had, that your world is facilitating to them and saying things to you in a way that should discourage you because they needed you. They wanted to be in there. They chose that. There was a period of time I got into a conversation with a brother, with a friend of mine, and he said, he's like, yeah, Ren, you can't complain about this capoeira thing. You chose this path. You chose this path. This is how people always try to throw this on you when you, you chose this path. And I was like, yes, you're absolutely right. And the brothers that were with me when I chose this path, I relied on your strength. I relied on your brotherhood. I relied on all this. this is the, these are the motivations that allowed me to choose this path. And now you're backing off. How am I supposed to stay motivated with this? And those are the times when being misunderstood started making sense to me, where I started to realize, like, you got to get comfortable with being alone, bro. You got to get comfortable with being by yourself. And um, when you are charged to do something, and, and you know you're being charged to do it because you can't get your mind off of it, it's not an obsession, Right, because the, 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 product, the, 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 the fact that it's coming to fruition is rolling out in front of you. Mm -hmm. Like when I started, I started just training capoeira and breaking down the movement, seeing techniques that maybe others didn't see from what my master taught me and others that I picked up. And I bring it back to DC and I teach them and they try it and it works. One event I had here, one of the masters came to me and goes, how do you teach your students to jinga? Because I'm trying to use certain tricks that I use to catch other students to catch them and it doesn't work. I said, I teach them to esquiva first. Like, enter every room feeling for the light switch. Don't just put your face in there. He goes, I like that. I never thought of that. And he goes, that's why your students are so, so good at, at their movements. Having verification like that from people made me realize I was going the right way. Certain uh, people in the hierarchy of Capoeira from Brazil, I speak the Portuguese so that it was easy for them to communicate with me. They come to me and they give me their phone. They hold my phone and they say, put, your phone, put my number in your phone. When you need to talk to me, you don't have to call your teacher to talk to me. You don't have to call your master to talk to me. Here's my number. Call me directly. That's how much respect I have for your work and how much respect I have for you. That's verification. So when you have one or two people on the side saying that they misunderstand you or they are haters or, you know, because sometimes innovators become hater creators. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? That's just the way it is. Because a lot of people look at you like, what the? He's from St. Louis. I'm from St. Louis. How come I ain't got this shit? He's from Kansas City. I'm from Kansas City. Why I ain't got this shit? You know what I'm saying? He ain't no better than me. My parents were smarter than his parents. Yeah, yeah. And they don't realize every human being has their gifts. Every human being gets their own individual merit. It ain't because your parents is rich or because your dad is a smart person or that's going to make you that way. Your gifts are your gifts. Yeah. And years ago, I remember hearing these conversations. You know, I'm coming from that Jamaican culture where I'm a big fan of Rastafari culture, you know what I'm saying? And I remember hearing certain things. You know, you hear when I told you about, you know, Peter Tosh and, and Gregory Isaac saying, you know, well, how do you sing so beautifully? Like, this is my gift that the Creator gave me. I'm glad I found it. You know what I mean? And it's the same thing I'm saying now. I have to say it this way like, movement and Communal growth through my movement, through my actions, is something that I've noticed that affected the community and the people around me for a long time. I, I recognize that I can move people. 
you know, even in Capoeira, people are like, they love when I get out. I don't have a beautiful voice. I don't, I, don't, I ain't Marvin Gaye, but I can <laughs> DJ. That's what I can do. When I get on the mic and I'm playing Capoeira and I start to push the songs and I'm playing the rhythms and I'm, people are like, I just love the way you move the harder. Yeah. And I'm just like, it's because I'm a good DJ. You know what I'm saying? When I say I'm a good DJ, it's like, I move the crowd. I move the people. I, people, I can't have people sitting down. I need you to start moving your feet. So I have to play the tune. I have to play the song that's going to get you going. You know, you're a DJ. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? We're good at moving the crowd. That's what Rakim says, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? You said something. I forgot to ask you, man. Mm. And maybe, and I did it because I just... I already know what I think is important. What is capoeira? Oh, ultimate good question. So capoeira is an Afro-Brazilian martial art um, created in Brazil by enslaved African peoples who probably most of them were warriors. I have to use the, I have to say the words that way because I don't think of a slave as a person who possesses a lot of knowledge or something. I don't think of that. I think of what we became wasn't like that what it initially. Started, what it, it didn't start yeah. that. It didn't start that way initially. There's a lot of fully functional. Bro, and I'm, I'm trying to say part of our history that's lost that I want to explain to my people, which I do through Capoeira. Like, what do you think? How do you think we got this? How do you think we got here? We had to preserve something. We knew something. So the first set of us, the first, I'm not talking about 10 generations later. I'm talking about your original grandmama, granddaddy. The ones that they hauled off the boat. I'm talking about even if it was only that, only one black person in you as a, that came from that side because the others might have come from South America in a different way or might have been here. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? So I'm just saying, that one that came off that boat in them shackles or in whatever format, but had possessed power in the mind, possessed power in the mind. They, they grew fruits. They raised animals. You don't think intellect is in that type of stuff? It's in, it's in that stuff. Hey, farmers are idiots. Right. <laughs> you right. know what I'm saying? Hunters are not fools. Warriors are not fools. So capoeira was created by these people who had these, these tools, these skills in their communities. I'm not saying every enslaved African was like that, but they were among the group. And these were the ones that held the community together through self-determination. Don't cry, my sister. We're going to get out of this. Don't cry, my brother. They were there telling others not to cry. Fear not. We have to create a new life for ourselves. We have to create a new existence for ourselves. We have to create a new reality for ourselves. There had to be those amongst us. So Capoeira was created by these people, the ones that wielded and knew they had something. All they needed to do was get these chains off of them so they can kick somebody in the face. You know what I'm saying? All they need to do is wake up from this concussion that they got from this bludgeoning tool that hit them across the head, took them away. All they have to do is get this face mask off them that's holding them down. You know what I'm saying? All they have to do is get off the ship. Now, is a part of the story true where they said they were trying to mask how that they were actually teaching others, you know, warrior tactics? So they came up with this idea of uh, implementing dance as a form of it. Is that is there some truth to that? Yes, there is truth to all of it. Right. And in, in, in our story, 75 percent of it is like a joke. Seventy five percent of a joke is true. Right. So here's the thing. 
during the time when, when, when capoeira was illegal because capoeira was done by mostly the ones that ran off into the quilombos, the quilombolas, the ones that were marooned, the maroons okay. in English, cimarones in Espanol, right? Quilombolas in Portuguese. But the capoeira was wielded in those areas more so because they practiced fighting, they practiced um, how are we going to defend ourselves? Yeah, I mean, it wasn't spears and stuff. They, man, they, these people threw rocks. They, they, they lived in terrains. It's just like the Maroons in Jamaica. They went into the hills because it's a hard area for you in your boots and your armor and your cling-cling trying to get up. These guys are hiding in areas with, with, with booby traps and, and, and use the terrain. They use their knowledge. They use the mother, nature, the mother nature to their benefit, right? So in a sense, when they got into the urban setting now, the urban setting, when industrialization started taking place and started taking place in Brazil, the first steamships, the first uh, boiler machines, and so on and so forth, they needed workers. They were starting to give pay to Brazilian people, whether it was you know, just cheap pay or whatever. I mean, people were smoking. They needed, uh, someone needed a lighter. Someone showed up in town with a lighter, and you know, up from the, went down into the city, showed mm -hmm. up with a lighter. Now he can light his tobacco. Yo, where'd you get that? I got that from down in the city. You want to come down? I work on the boat. I'm a longshoreman. You know, what do I do? All I do is just pull the boat up and tie the dock. Simple job like that. You go from the mountain. I work during the week, come back on weekends. This is after the Brazilian government stopped prosecuting and people started trying to find a way in the age of industrialization. During this period of time, people started hanging out more and more in the city. The city started growing. The ghetto started growing. As that ghetto is not our word. It's a Jewish word. We know this, but at the same time, this is an easy way to... To, to explain to our people today. Understood. Yeah, socioeconomic situations in the ma major cities. So the, the, the favelas started happening. The <laughs> area where black people hung out that could live with small amounts to save the money to send to do the remittance back home or whatever the case may be. It would play a little putz around in the street because a couple of them knew it and they would find a way to do their thing, you know what I mean? And the they, cops, they saw it as a, as a threatening thing. They saw it as threatening. We can't have black people gathering, fighting, training, they never wanted to know that from the beginning that they were doing that. So Samba, the, the sister of Capoeira, became a part of Capoeira because she protected Capoeira. Whenever, you know, they were playing Capoeira in the streets, Vajasan, Vajasan, they would get together in blocks. You know how we do, you see it, it's natural for us. We, hey, Joe, what you doing? Let's sit on the corner and start singing some doo-wop, doo-doo-doo-doo-wop, doo-doo-doo. Before you know it, we gather a crowd. They hate that. They hate when we do that. We always, circle's a big deal for us. You know what I'm saying? The cipher is big for us. That cipher happens no matter where we are. And we see like-minded, you know, like-minded people like, whoa, brothers, sisters, oh, let's talk. How you doing? What's your experience? How you get here? Because we know we're not the majority and we're not in charge. So now Samba became the thing that protected us. The Capodis is out there playing in the streets, not to be practicing to fight, probably, but just to have a vajia sound. But it was illegal. The cops were coming. They played a different rhythm. Cops are coming. These women would jump in the middle. Samba, change the rhythm a little bit on the drum. Oh, the negros, the negros are just vajia sound. Look at the negros shake their booties. And oh, cops just go off on his horse, minding his business. They, as long as they're subdued and they're not making you no know, ruckus, creating no drama, Breaking property and destruction of properties, you know, that that's their biggest thing. They yeah, don't want yeah, to say, yeah, once yeah. We, if we do that, then we have problems. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Until the crowds got too big or until the fights got out of control or until the stuff spilled over, then they would not, they would, the capoeira would be protected from it. So, yes, it, it, the capoeira, all the accompanying arts of capoeira have something to do with um, the protection of the capoeira or something in relation to a tangential aspect of the capoeira. However, they're not capoeira, you know what I mean? Capoeira is still capoeira separate, you know? Now what is, so, 
Ajanal, Malez. Mm -hmm. There are these different factions of styles of capoeira. Mm -hmm. How did that come about? Beautiful question, man. You're, you're dropping it like it's hot. Listen, I don't believe in styles of dancing. Like if, if we're dancing to a same rhythm, all of us are dancing to a, a same rhythm. We're all playing hip hop. I don't believe that you have a style. I believe that you have a manifestation. You have a personality. A pop locker is a personality. Break dancers have their personality. Why does one pop lock? Why does one top rock on the ground? Why does one spin on their head versus spin on their hand? Why does one do backflips? It's their personality. It's not a style. So in my opinion, my humble opinion, um, and, uh, you know, I believe that personalities, there were large personalities in Capoeira, and these large personalities laid seeds, and these seeds became big followers of that style, of that movement, the way that person moved, that action. Why didn't other personalities survive? Why didn't, you know what I'm saying? Why didn't other manifestations survive? So in my opinion, they're not styles, but manifestations. What I will say okay. that's different though is there's a traditional way of playing capoeira that wasn't the art form that gave capoeira its liberation politically and government-wise. It was the Mestre Bimba's innovation from the traditional style that made the government look at Capoeira different. Master Bimba was from the old original style where they'd get together and do the old traditional, get in the circle and do our African stuff, right? Well, Master Bimba created a system where he was able to teach non-Afro-Brazilians the Capoeira and show the government. What was the difference? Between... The difference was he created a mechanism. It was he created a system like simple movements that you, t you learn these. I don't know what the movements were but in terms of all of them, but I know he had eight sequences or, or a sequence that he created with eight parts. And the movements in those sequences are what he taught. So once you learn how to do these sequences and learn how to have a conversation with Capoeira, utilizing these movements from the sequences, whether in a sequence or as individual movements, because you know if somebody's about to do a cartwheel, you can rush them and try to give them a headbutt and knock them over. But the person doing the cartwheel knows that they can do other things. They can put their foot out to protect themselves. They can fake. So the capoeira has a lot of pre and post what to do in these postures that made the game started to expand just from these eight sequences that he used. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like um, we're playing slap boxing. If we're slap boxing, you can't poke me in the eye. I got you. Right. And so we, we built created that. some framework around right it. Okay. Right. So, but what was happening before that was so. Egregious. Egregious yeah. that that's what, that's why it was uh, banned or yes. illegal. Yeah. So there was a, when they first started coming out of the mountains and they started learning about the Capodistas, the Capodistas started going into the life of like, being bodyguards for people, doing mal work, malandragio, doing malandro work. Okay. So the capoeiristas got known, like, you know what I'm saying? It's like you would see a little boss man over there, a little, or a little man in control of his shop or whatever, but you see this little screw face in the back with his, you know, playing with like a little knife, cut, peeling an, an apple, looking all dogish. That's usually a capoeirista. Ready to, that's his dog. He's ready to sick on you. You know what I'm saying? And the Capodistas started doing things like that, being in bands like that. They were, they were called Maltas. And Maltas? Mal, M-A-L-T-A-S. Maltas. Maltas. Okay. So 
you see in depictions of them fighting with razors, you know, like caricatures, them in the streets slapping each other with, with gallop punches, which is a, a telephone slaps to e break your equilibrium. And, you know, just gangster life started gotcha. coming about. Okay. You know, the underworld. Capoeiristas became part of the underworld. And because it's associated with yes. that, they said no. Yes, it became... Mr. Bimba. Yes. He put it in an environment, in a school setting, with a curriculum setting, with a graduation setting, told his students, him and Mr. Pashinya, the other one, once Bimba created Hejonau, Pashinya then named Angola. Angola, that yeah, was the Pashinya one. Pashinya named Angola. Angola. Malays okay. is, is a name of a, a sect, a bunch of Afro I got you. peoples, yeah. yeah, who are Muslims who stage a rebellion in the It was area. Angola. But, yeah, but the, the Angola, Pashinya then named the Angola because Bimba had Hejonau. You know what I mean? He didn't call it, you know, it's called Luta da Hejanao Bayana. You know what I mean? And at the same time, that's why it's called Hejanao for short. And then Pashinya named Angola and gave it the colors black and yellow of his favorite soccer team. It's not because of Africa. It's because of his favorite soccer team that had that colors of black and yellow. Okay. That's why. And then Bimba created his mechanism of like upright, not too much rituals. Like all the African stuff that they were doing, like the shamadas, the ritualized stuff they did inside the games. It was hard to teach that to the non-Afro people. It makes, even now when I play capoeira, I don't know the depths of like why a shamada is covered. I say that I'm like, it's the same, like I don't know the depths of why we eat fufu or dumplings in Jamaica. I don't know the depths of it. I'm just Jamaican and I eat dumplings. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. it's so it like I've learned with capoeira, I learned the shamadas, but I feel it. You understand what I'm saying? I feel when it's necessary, I feel it's a real, it's a weird thing. It's like um, capoeira is like you got to hang around it long enough for you to have empathy for the art enough to accept how it's done and why it's done, and then for you to continue it out, because it's ritualized combat, right? It's not, again, a Marine, a Marine Corps Special Force soldier, recon guy, or Green Beret from the Army, or SEAL, would look at all martial arts and be like, y'all are play fighting, mm -hmm. right? Because it's true. These guys want to throw, you, you with a Marine, the first thing he's going to do is empty the clip on you if that's necessary, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, then he's yeah. going to throw grenades at you. Then he's got, you know, gas. He's gonna, yeah, I'm just saying, war is different than martial art, ritualized combat, fight, you know what I mean? Self-defense. Those are all different things and need to be seen differently. What has happened to people is that, unfortunately, the, the, the fact that you're training martial arts gets the people's heads to make them think that they're now invulnerable and safe and the baddest motherfucker in the world, like a Conor McGregor. Or just like when a person gets a gun, they feel like they're invincible. It's the same thing. With, you shouldn't feel like that because it's not true. Was the chords implemented to kind of legitimize the, the, the capoeira practice also? So you're now touching on all the sensitive topics of capoeira that need to be addressed. Okay, so initially, they were not cords. People got scarves. They got silk scarves because apparently silk, when you try to slice a silk with a razor, it doesn't really cut. It just right across. So, you know, the Chinese used hmm. silk as armor, too. They, 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 bade their, they put their, the silk on the armor because they, this, the blades were not... I didn't they, know that. So the silk scarves were the thing. They, were, had, they had all the different colors, red, blue, white, or whatever, the colors of the Brazilian flag, whatever. And that... Those people at Mestre Bimba first started teaching. A lot of their students and their offspring, brothers and other people of that lineage, created a group called Senzala in Rio de Janeiro, right? And this group Senzala, these guys were just young urban kids, you know, just 
playing capoeira and being free and being, you know, hippie revolutions, things happened in 50s, 60s, you know, Brazil. They saw karate schools set up in Bushido art school set up in Brazil because the Japanese had been in Brazil also for a long time. And they saw how they lined up in class and trained. And they, they used some of those concepts to create the, what is now today the academy system. And when the academy system got going, they realized people couldn't just train into oblivion. People had to have a purpose. So they created, <coughs> excuse me, simple chord systems. Um, I know initially some of the chord systems were, made, were set up off of the colors of the Brazilian flag and different mechanisms. But now we have a chord system that is set up in a way where like, it's kind of almost universal, like the one the system we have, and the other system is a cordel system, the cordel and cordão. Cordel is big, fat boat ropes, and cordel is what they braid. It's a you, braided yarn. Which, which ones are yours? Cordel. That which is the braid. Yeah, that's the boat rope that you dye. Okay, I got you. Right? Got you. And so the thing about this cord system, it is not a terrible system, but it, it is left up to um, the scrutiny of a master of the group. And a lot of people, like people want to act like Capoeira is a system like the church. Like it's been here forever. It's not been here forever. It's subject to every mastery's change. It's subject to what you feel. It's subject to how people do their stuff. You being, if you're in like Genoa, Italy, and there's no other Brazilians around, why would you have a different system? You go to Italy from, from to Brazil from Italy, and somebody goes, hey, what's your title? You, I'm graduado, also alumno, I'm a student. Or if you messy, you say I'm messy. <laughs> Nobody, you know, nobody's going to be like, well, are you third or fourth or fifth chord? What's that? What does that mean? In, in reference, that doesn't matter because in Capoeira, it's either, either you're a beginner, you have some experience, you're an advanced student, have you been in it a little bit longer than more than a little bit of experience, or you're now a leader in the art form in terms of a hierarchy member, someone who takes the reins and someone gives you the right to set, start a class, or you feel the need and have moved to an area. No one knows Capoeira and you started it, and then the community elevates you to that. To that. That's how Capoeira originally originally set up. So this chord system is a still a moving target thing that's out here right now that needs to be um, organized because, you know, we are, we are considered probably the first generation of non-Brazilian, you know, probably foreigner kids raised in, in Capoeira that, that probably stuck to it this long, that are still involved in. There were people before us that were learning with the original two that were in here in the 70s, in the 70s. that but they're older people now, and no one talks of them. Some have died, no one talks of them because they never got any clout. But these masters are still around, but their students have disappeared, some of them. Some stayed around. And, and so here we are now, we have multiplied ourselves. Mm. We, like everything that comes to America, has to become organized at some point. I, in the 50s, when the GIs came back from Korean War, World War II, and all these other places. They knew Bushido arts, they knew karate, they knew other things, and they started doing stuff here in America. At some point, they had to make American karate. Yeah. Because the Japanese were like, nah, 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 they, they were trying to keep hold of it. It just got messy. It got messy. And so the Americans were like, boof. We know our forms. We can fight. Let's do a tournament. Let's see who wins. And martial arts is martial arts. You don't own it. When I say that you don't own it, you just don't own it. Now, do I think that for Capoeira and the power of Capoeira, should we always say that Afro-Brazilians are a part of it? Of course, Afro-Brazilians are the people who created the Capoeira. But should it stop there? Master Bimba would be very happy that we're innovating it today because he innovated it. Why would he be upset? But he didn't give us any mission to be like, oh, I decree that you continue on with my Capoeira. No, he gave nobody no mission. So what I say about Capoeira, honestly, is I recommend that you do your work in your community. 
Learn your community. Would capoeira survive in your community? Is capoeira needed in your community? I went to Jamaica to try to do a little Destination Jamaica event there to try to see if I can get capoeira there because I was like, oh my God, there's so much talent in my island. You know what I mean? We're all, every, every ninja's a star over there. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We went to Jamaica, man. We were doing capoeira. It didn't draw the people like that because people are like, wait a minute, our self-determination, we have self-determination already. We have our thing that's like capoeira. We have Rastafari. We've got, you know, our Maroon champions and warriors that we have among our cultures. We don't need Zumbi and Ganga Zumba. We have Marcus Garvey. We got Sam Sharp. We got Nanny. We got Maroons in the hills up there who can tell you how they defeated the British and kept them at bay for 400 years. You know what I'm saying? So we have mm -hmm. our own version <laughs> of it. So why capoeira? It was hard. It was hard. Because I was like, oh, but it's so, do this for your body. And they're like, yeah, we, we have exercise. <laughs> We're in shape. You saw, my, you saw a guy walking around who cuts yards for a living. He's bricked out abs. Ripped, six pack. Ripped, six pack. What, what do you need? To have? You don't need what you do to, to be ripped. So I, it was hard for me to explain to them the same level of reasonable self-determination that Brazilians had from their maroon background of why capoeira is a means of their self-determination versus what Jamaicans use. So it's, it's not going to work for everybody. But in these United States of America, in our inner cities, among our people, where we know we've been stripped of everything, all we can do is build back up, baby. They've stripped us down to, say, we, say we're trying to make some kind of juice. We've been straight down to the water. Yeah. If, I, if I, all I can add to it is some apple juice or some pineapple juice, I will bring it back up to some healthy juice. You see what I'm saying? No, so, when, you, when you make that transition, not transition, when you... Make it more accessible. Yes. Women have to shift their role and their ability to ascend to different levels. And even what their perception of value is and worth and respect and all of that kind of stuff that factors into male-female dynamics, right? Just, it's just a part of being human and having these two genders. I guess, right? It's two? Mm -hmm. Never mind. I don't know. I, <laughs> okay. I, it's so beyond my pay grade right now. Two. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, How has the transition been from your perspective making space for women to be more inclusive and to move higher up the ranks? You know, the first thing I, I will tell you is stay in your lane, right? Stay in your lane. What do you teach? You teach capoeira. I teach capoeira who, to who wants to learn. If I'm teaching capoeira to a Russian, and they hang around, and they want to help me in my community 10 years later, that's who I'm working with. Mm. Because, again, we live in a world today where it's not the same struggle for us capoeiristas as it was for Ganga Zumba and Zumbi and Dandara and those people who lived in the Quilombos. The struggle is different. We need to form, forge friendships and form an alliance, an association together to get places, to do things. All of us can either be knowledgeable, know everything about capoeira and sad as hell because we ain't got no place to train it or we can be, let somebody lead with some ideas and we be a supporting cast and we do whatever we do to do what we do. So when it comes to women in capoeira, first of all, the, the, the history of women in capoeira has not been chronicled well. 
It's not been chronicled well. Okay. There's been a lot of women. At the end of the day, when you look in um, colonial situations where we as a people have been, you know, downtrodden or whatever, there's the, the slavery period of time. Women were the source of why a lot of things held on, bro. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? At the okay. end of the day, it was okay. because of women. When you hear all these stories, I come from a situation where it's matriarchal most of the time in Jamaica. The women were always, I, I grew up knowing, when I, when I say women in charge, it, weren't like, it wasn't like they were in charge and told everybody what to do because my grandfather had his thing and did his thing. But what my grandmother did, she did. What my grandfather did, he did. You know what I'm saying? And there are certain roles where women, even when you talk about even ancient assassins, right? Women were assassins too because mm -hmm. you could get closer to a man in so many different ways. So why would women not have a role yeah. in, in, a, in a self-determined moving forward of a people? It had to have that be that they had a role. So I think that from, from some of the research we've done, women were not given, their stories weren't told enough and weren't celebrated enough. Men's stories are always celebrated because yeah. misogyny is just trickles down. The slave yeah. master is misogynistic. The slaves will become misogynistic. You know what I'm saying? The subjects will become misogynistic. It's hard to, to keep a, um, a, a, like a radical empathy thing going on in a community when there is none from the ruling, leading, governing class. You know what I'm saying? So I think some of the, the, the narrative of women's role in Capoeira slid by the wayside due to the misogynistic way of our community. However, today, I remember back in seeing it in the 90s where I was like, wow, the millennium woman is what I used to start. I started calling them the millennium woman is about to change things. I used to say that all the time where I started seeing it at, when I was at Howard, how, you know, it wasn't like, oh, you were now going to school to find a husband or to find a wife anymore. Girls were just chilling. It was like, yeah, yeah. no, nah, like me and you were chilling last semester, but this semester, no, nah, I need me a new one. And you couldn't believe it. You were like, yeah. what? Yeah. Like women are making choices now. And I started seeing different things from what I grew up with, different from that. And inside of Capoeira, what I had always noticed in Capoeira is like, when I, when I, my first visions of, of Capoeira, when I saw Mesha Cobra Mansa playing Capoeira, when I was in Bahia, there were always women playing Capoeira. When I saw the first Hezion Now experience with my teacher, when I, the dude that gave me the card in Adams Morgan, there were women there, particularly one, Mestre Joe, who was wild enough. They're not, they don't, the, 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 the life, the life um, span of a, a woman who wants to have a family and wants to live a cordial lifestyle, they must come up with a plan. The, they and their, their partner and their family must come up with a plan. Because in my opinion, I've seen, there are some women I've seen who were able to train their capoeira up to being proficient. Say they started like teenagers or even young 20s. They were able to train for a good 10 years. They met someone, love of their life. They had a family. They had to take a break to raise a family. And then they came back and struggled to get back to where they were. Some made the struggle. Some did not make the struggle. The body started changing so many different things and it did not enable them to be able to come back. But there were others. Like I remember that I have a sister of mine. She's in Capoeira. She had a child really young. She never had any other kids after she now lives her life yeah. beyond having a child, which is like she had a child in what people call in America a bad period, which is like a teenage pregnancy years, which is not really biologically a bad thing. It's just, a, <laughs> yeah. it's just a, because if you can just, do it, can, it ain't yeah, bad. Family support. Women at least would have a chance to rebuild her body. And, and in that way, a woman gets a chance to live again. If you had child, a child at a younger age, and I'm not saying I promote this, I'm just saying if children, if people, young women were having children at 19, 18, 17, and, you know, and I have a daughter who's 17, who we talk about this all the time. By the time the child is grown up and doesn't need them so much by their mid-20s, they can then revert back to certain mm -hmm. healthy lifestyle habits 
and mechanisms that would then help to put them back into like physical running for certain things. You know what I mean? Your capoeira would be able to go on after that. You know what I mean? It's not like you have a child at 35, 40 years old. How much do you have left in the virile bag beyond that period yeah. of time? Your body, just to open your hips to give birth to that child, it might not come it's, back yeah. from that. So I'm just saying there's a lot of science to that. And I'm not, I'm not an expert in any of this. I just know from my community what I see. And what I see in the future today is that well, not in the future, when I say the future today is because when I started Capoeira 25 years ago, we looked at what the future would look like. And which in today, today, which is today, I see that a majority of Capoeira groups are held together because of the organizational skills of women. You, know? you got a lot of women. I do. I don't know what's going on with men, James. I don't know what's going on with men. But for some reason, I don't know that it's because I misunderstood it. I'm not going to claim that it's, that's it. But... I think, from my experience, men, particularly in this capitalistic system, might be all over the world that I don't understand because I'm not in every system. But men seem to only be able to be taught for a certain period of time before they either become incorrigible or they just don't want to hear shit from another man. And I find that, you know, especially particularly in our system where in our system, imitation is the highest form of flattery, right? For some reason here... A brother or a sister or anybody just wants to barely see you doing something and they start copying that shit and they start competing with you immediately because our capitalist environment allows for that to happen versus like, how can I make this thing stronger? They want to create, and competition is healthy because no one should have a monopoly. No community should have a monopoly on how communal living should be done. Yeah. But at the same time, at least get the damn knowledge without going off. And I find that... In my experience, I find that a lot of young ladies, they come to Capoeira and they look immediately to like, how can I make this, help, help this community develop? I think a lot of the young men are like, how can I get one of these? You know, kind of like if you really look at, um, and, and then there's just something just happens. I don't know what it is. I, I don't know. Maybe it's me. And that's what I'm trying to say. Like, I, I've looked into it. I'm like, wait a minute. Do I you... Oh, I'm sorry, go no, ahead. I talked to some of my students about it, and I was like, some of them that I, yeah, and I'm like, yo, dude, every male that I've taught, and look at their skills, supreme skills, good capoeira skills, but something happens. And that's where I was saying to myself, where maybe I'm not a good leader of grown men, because grown men probably in this capitalist system should not be led. But of youth going up to men where I then let them go and say, hey, because I, first of all, I don't hold anybody, but at the same time, people feel, I've heard things that people say about being around me. And one of the things I hear people say is that I am a hell of a person and I've done, and I have a lot of experience and other men feel intimidated around me because of what I bring to the table. I don't know what that means because when I see another man, I am not I'm not wondering about why you're so good at what you do, James. I know why you're so good at what you do mm -hmm. because you have the same discipline and, and self-determination I do. So I applaud you. And I'm like, if I'm interested in your, your expertise, I call you and I pay you for your expertise to help me. You know what I'm saying? Like you would do me. So I don't know why in this environment, it, you know, we, I can't get them to understand. When I say I can't get them because I'm not trying. I got you. It's more of like <clears throat> what happens is it that I should have done what Master Bimba did? Master Bimba, after four years, your course was up with him, and you got to go. He graduated you, and you left. Not left, but found something to do with it. He didn't keep you indefinitely as a student. And that's what I 
I don't want to do that with adults anymore. I don't want to have indefinite adult students unless you have a purpose. Why are you here in this community? Is that common amongst other master days having that challenge with the with the males? I don't know because I haven't um, studied or analyzed other groups. I again, I I I, I think about Washington D.C. because of the level of like. You know, the people that are here, they're like high-strung people, man. It's like even, even a, a, a Washingtonian who lives uptown, who, who hangs out with people who are not from D.C., develops a certain level of like self-determination where they're like, yo, I either need to move from this city or sometimes they lock in with somebody who's not from here yeah. and ride a train a different direction, tangential to where they're from in D.C., but mm. <clears throat> taking advantage of some of the benefits of being educated and emancipated from the situation, the circumstance. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. So um, I don't know. I, I, I feel like part of the issue in my, again, humble opinion, which is just an opinion, is that it stems from the post-colonial post -colonial slave syndrome that we have going on in America. There's something, there, there's a reason why we have issues. We can't get together, why we're afraid, why we don't trust each other. There's some post-traumatic slave stuff going on. Yeah, It's yeah. a little bit. I'm not going to give it a, a lot, and I'm going to say that the enlightenment of the type of city that we live in somehow um, keeps it at bay. But I, I think when it boils down to the ultimate last primal thing, that that taps in that comes in somewhere it comes in and i and i think if you i, I don't like the, it's so interesting i wouldn't have even um first of all i appreciate you sharing that piece because that that's a because that is a challenge you know because you said i don't know what's up with the men and that's like just a a high level you know comment about something because I don't really know what's up with them either <laughs> just in a that's not true that's not true that's not true let me take a step back uh -huh. let me take a step back I am in a constant state of transition uh -huh. and where I am today is not where I was yesterday and where I was yesterday probably falls in line or could be categorized as what you were describing. And generally speaking, to your point, it does have to do with that. I don't want to take no direction from a man and, you know, some self-hate stuff. And I'm much more likely to, you know, acquiesce to, you know, a white man or somebody else yes. than it is to someone else that just, that just looks like me. And it's really an insecurity that I have within within myself. Um, now, whether that's the other dude, <laughs> I don't know. But just on, you know, some transparency stuff. That, but it, it it is it is disconcerting to think that what you're creating from what you're building. isn't men aren't like there's a challenge with integrating men in some reason that just seems i don't like because i'm in i don't know why it's just the idea of that but i do but but when you're talking about with the children 
I can understand that too, because that's where you got to get them, because they're they're forming, they're getting proximity to a black man and getting un, familiar with taking direction and you know getting feedback and you know hearing that tone and that voice. And when you're not used to hearing that, dude, that's a that that strikes all the old triggers as a man yeah hearing a motherfucker with a deep voice talking to you in some kind of way you know or redirecting you when you know you got a little bs job making a couple hundred grand a year and you think can you think you can't learn nothing which is the furthest thing from the truth that's it that's it that, yo dude it's so funny like when did we go because <clears throat> my daughter um one day she came home she was like dad uh, my history teacher asked me a question he goes when you think of Africa, what do you think of? What are the few, few things that come to your brain when you think of Africa? And she said, Mansa Musa, the great, uh, uh, the, uh, great Tyreek, you know, Tyreek was the Moor mm-hmm. who rode across mm-hmm. the Straits of Gibraltar into mm-hmm. Iberian Peninsula. And she mentioned something else. And the, the teacher looked at her like, well, how do you know all that? How do you know about Tyreek? She's like, my dad taught me. Because I... I, I've been looking at the known knowledge that we have so far. I don't have all of it. But from the known knowledge that we have so far about mankind's existence, I brought myself back to 8th century to about 1490. That's the fall of Granada in Spain when the Moors had to give up the last stronghold, the last castle, 1490. And we sailed the ocean blue. I mean, sorry, not we. Christopher Carabas. <laughs> Christopher Carabas. Yeah, yeah Carabas. Right. There you go. Start at that point. So I'm stuck in that period of time from 8th century to then because that was when a brown face represented knowledge. That was when a Moor was not seen as a pariah, but probably as a doctor come to save the plagued out neighborhoods. You know what I'm saying? You know, they, they had things in lock. Othello was the vizier of Venice. You know, I'm just saying in from Shakespeare's whatever written. I'm just talking about, you know what I'm saying? Um, you know what I mean? You, 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 you read all these, these, these plays of Shakespeare, uh, Midsummer Night's Dream, not even Midsummer Night's Dream, but The Merchant of Venice, where he talks about you know, the Jewish guy that lent money, Shylock the Jew, mm-hmm. and you know, Antonio, and, and all these other characters. And I, you know, at that time, I'm, 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 in, my, in my opinion, from what I see, this was when you had black monarchies of Europe, which existed. People who are brown people, who are son of such and such. You're talking yeah, about yeah. Septimus Severus who was, you know, this was not during that time, but I'm saying it was a Roman emperor who was from the Carthage, you know, who was from that Tunisia area. He, was, he had curly hair, his sons, Geta mm-hmm. and, 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 and the other one, Caracula, they had curly hair. They had curly hair, they had noses, they were brown people. So at what point did a black man or a, man of, a person of brown persuasion go from being someone who possessed knowledge to being a person to be disrespected? And this is why I say in this, today when the, 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 the few um, unfortunate circumstances that I've had with black and brown people, first of all, I knew some of them were, are not mentally well. I know that. Post-traumatic slave syndrome has taken a, a, a serious toll on us as a people where there's a lot of brothers and sisters who are not well. Yeah. They're not mentally well. I'd say most of us struggle, man. Yeah, struggling. We're struggling. Yeah, you know with, I mean? with that mental stuff. With that mental thing. You know, and I think that they feel comfort in being around us, but they don't want to respect us and they don't even know why they're that way, which is kind of like 
when you think about the mistrust, when you think this is, this is the reason why I cannot, I cannot be a part of anything involving the black church, especially one from what the research that I've gone through and seen how the black church was orchestrated to help our elders use a hierarchical system of trust me, believe me, young buck, to keep us down mm -hmm. from a spiritual, sitting up in, in church, you the pastor over there hollering and hooting while a white man sitting over here told you what to do yeah. to keep the crowd entertained on Sunday to keep their spirits so-called lifted, but at the same time, obey your master. Slaves, obey your master. You know, so for me, I can never, I don't, I'm not saying I, I, I'm, I consider myself a person who under, who, 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 accepts spirituality. I'm a part of a mm -hmm. spiritual existence. I believe that. But I don't believe in anything these people say. I don't believe in any of their religions. I don't believe in anything they created. I don't believe, yes, there's something spiritual out here, but you don't know what the fuck it is. You don't have the answers. And I ain't believe in you. Mm -hmm. I'd rather, I'll take my fucking chances out here with this shit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'll take my chances. But see, that's where you said earlier, though, <laughs> beware, of beware of humans. Because, yes. <laughs> like, the, in... I always, looked at, my, I always looked at the Bible as poetry, as fiction, yes. in a way. Yes. If I tried to look at because when I tried to look at it through the lens of a Christian and say that everything in here is the truth and factual and happened, then it's like having a conversation with a person and not leaving any room to any wiggle room. Mm -hmm. Like if you say, hey, you piss me off, that I literally have to focus specifically on that. But if I can infer and look around and expand on it and leave space for, you know, time to change my perspective on what you're saying and also give you an opportunity to expand more on it. Yeah. But it, religion doesn't allow you to do that. But looking at the book as something for you to kind of expand on, turn it around, then it starts to make more sense. And I actually see beautiful pieces of it that, um, that are helpful to my life and to my yeah. growth. But to, to say like, Jesus died on this day and rolled three days later. Oh, and Jonah and the whale. Yeah. No, and that really happened? No, 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 no. All that stuff is useless. It's the no. same thing when people talk about Bob Marley. It's like, oh, yeah, well, Bob Marley snorted coke. He had 50,000 wives. He was a womanizer. Yes. So was Miles Davis. So, yeah. so, but it doesn't stop his music from being fucking great. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. stop his music from inspiring yeah. me every damn day. You know, I mean, you want to cancel things? You want to cancel everybody because the past is the past. And all that shit from the past is bad. All of it. I'm not saying everything, but a lot of ways and ways that we ran community and society and shit we did, all bad. All that shit's cancelable today. So I'm just saying. So to, if I'm hearing you say, I'm going to project out 25 years mm -hmm. based on what you're saying about the challenges with like black men. I envision a Capoeira world that's gonna be a little lighter and a lot more female focused. Yeah, well said. I, I agree with you. How do you feel about that? 
again, Bob Marley was interviewed one time about reggae music and he talked about it and he said, you know what? And they were like, Jamaican people weren't really gravitating to Bob Marley's Rastafari because they were like post-colonial snobbery idiots to mm. uptown, you know what I mean? That ain't our music. Then. We don't want a ganja smoking Medusa head wearing guy representing us. And he said, listen, Jamaican people don't want this music that I've created to inspire the people. It's going to search around the world till it finds its right people. And then the right people will incorporate this music. Here we have today reggaeton. We have, we have Afrobeat. Reggae has brought us back to Africa, right? It's done its job. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So how do I feel about it? If we're out here teaching Capoeira right now and trying to explain to people the importance of this art form and you as a man don't see the need to bond together with other communities, other men, other people in communities to empower yourself and your future generations through knowledge, not because Capoeira is the only way, but through knowledge, then it will find the people who value it and those people will keep it. And if it's, and unfortunately, we create and the world takes. It's, the, it's a story of our life. We, I swear, the black person on this planet, not because I'm black I'm saying this, but I've experienced it in my 48 years. When they want new shit on this planet, they just, like the golden goose, they just go squeeze the black man and we just break dance, yeah. shit out an egg. Yeah. Gumbo. We, 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 <laughs> lack, we lack the, we lack the um, we lack the practice of monetizing. We, 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 and, and because we've lacked, because we haven't had a lot of opportunity to, we're good at making things, we're good at creating, but actually converting that into a way to to make money, like we we don't we don't look at certain things in the, in, in the way that other groups of people do, who have more um, insight into into that kind of stuff, and we're going to get exploited. And I think sometimes when we're critical of other groups of people, other groups of people's ability to monetize, it's not that we necessarily care about the culture as much as we just, right. we missed that opportunity to take advantage of our people. It's not like we're saying we really wanted to do it to help. Right, right, we right. just saying, damn, I missed that chance to milk it. Milk it. And when, you know, cause when the, when the, when the music industry was happening. Chess records. They was getting screwed by black people. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? At least at that level mm -hmm. or, or to some degree or another. But to go back to the, to the color and gender piece, that's a part of that evolving, right? Yeah. And it's gonna land where it wants to land. It's gonna be a reflection of the people who are choosing to invest in it and see the value. What if though, right? What if though there's a different perspective, right? I've noticed something. I, I once heard, and I'm not a fan of anybody, like when I say I'm not, I do listen to some people and I do, I listen to what people say. Like I listen to Umar Johnson, mm -hmm. listen to some of the stuff he says. Potent stuff, some of his Agreed. stuff. Agreed. Some yeah. stuff over people's head. Yeah. Some stuff not gonna connect with for the next two generations. Farrakhan, same thing. 
there was a, a speech that he had where he talked about the creation of so-called man that we know about from the Bible's perspective of like 5,000 years ago. And he goes, as you said, we as a people are great at making things. And he goes, listen to this. So the Bible said, like it said, let us make man. Let us make man in our image. And in, in his explanation, he was saying that it was us who then gave birth to the European. And again, like you said, we are great at creating things, but we're not necessarily great at monetizing it, honing it, doing certain things to it. And so to, to make it to our benefit, you know, in the long run, we tend to create and just let it go. And others find the benefit out, others monetize it, and somehow we whine and complain about it. But I had another perspective where I was like, you know what, the earth, the earth is so old, and we have been on that continent for so long. I mean, it is the center of the earth. It's probably, mm -hmm. the, that thing is probably, if you probably could dig down into Africa, you will probably get to the earth's metallic core. Yeah. That's how I connected, I think, that, that thing. I don't think the earth swivels without that weight that's on it of Africa, the pendulum. So I think we've been on their joint for so long and that Mesopotamia area, right? What if that we've done everything already? What if we have already done all of this shit? And what we recognize is it all comes back to just primal dust. And so we're just like, fuck it, don't do nothing. Let them go through the rest of the, what we've already been through. And all we need to do is transcend. What if that's really it? Because what is the source of why we are just a great people who have done so much. I mean, the Sphinx is so old that no one can tell you where the f it came from. You know what I'm saying? So I, oh, that's good. Our greatest strength, man, is also our greatest weakness. Absolutely. And, 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 and I feel because some things, it just ain't in us to do. We're programmed at this point to produce a pattern based on the societal setup, right? Mm -hmm. But that's not our spirit. That's not our, that's not our core. Right. We're not, we're not, we don't do certain things. So we love, we forgive, we understand. Mm -hmm. This we is a part. We take in every stray, anything. Yeah, we, that's a part of our, that's a part of our story. But that's a strength. But it's also a weakness that certain people can exploit, and I think, and what, I, and the reason why I mentioned that is to your point. They both have a role to play in the universal scheme, right? Mm -hmm. it, it, and so, yeah, we've already, we've already done this shit. I heard Dick Gregory say one time, in one of his interviews. He was out. He said, "Fear and death cannot occupy. Fear and God cannot occupy the same space." Right. And so, when I'm going out, and there is a potential for me to kill, or be killed, he said he would have the faith to have no fear that he would rather die than kill. Mm. Because that was just where he was in his yes. evolutionary, number one. And then number two, his faith in the divinity of what was supposed to happen at yes, that moment. Yes, yes. So God existed and fear kind of took the back seat. Yes. So even if we're moving and operating in the world today and say we've 
we're not consciously saying this to your, but it's the subconscious way of saying we didn't, we didn't done all this because we can't be what this thing is. Despite us trying, we want so bad to be white. We want to emulate some of these behavior patterns yes. and ways of living that despite our effort, despite our aim, it only gets us so much. It, sorry. It only, it only gets us so much, yeah. and then the lid gets put back on. Absolutely. But that lid has to get put back on because that's not the role we're supposed to, be, to be playing. playing. It's, just, it's just not. You see, I, I call it the narrative of the planets. You know, like whose narrative are you living in by? Whose narrative are you running? Same thing I say to my daughter when she, when I talked to her, I was like, baby girl, you... I, I didn't, you didn't give birth to me to come into this world to baby you and treat you like a princess. No, you were born into my world. What's good for me is good for you. You're my child. I'm not yours. I see parents giving birth to these kids and, oh, she's my princess. She's not allowing, that giving the child anything. Just, oh, she doesn't deserve to walk barefoot. She doesn't, you're ruining it. If you survived by it and you came up through it, why isn't it good for your children? And what did it do for you? You know what I mean? <clears throat> it's like this. They don't think it was good for them, though. They didn't think it was good for them. That's why I'm saying, if you didn't think your experience was good for you, and you but you can't uh, commit the sins of our fathers, what my friends calls it, mm. by not, giving your, not allowing your child to struggle a little bit. They need to go through stuff to be better people. You only... I don't... I... I, I my, I, I use my daughter as an example, and I say this all the time. It's just like, I tell her straight. I'm like, listen, girl, I want you to understand what you're dealing with out here. I want you to understand what you're dealing with out here. So I'm just letting you know the kind of world I came up in, that this exists here. How you're supposed to deal with it, I don't know. Like, for example, I say to her, my philosophy is, if you're being assaulted, you beat them till they stop moving then you call 911. My mm -hmm. philosophy isn't kick them in the nuts and then run away. No, you make that person mad, they're faster than you, they're gonna catch you and they're gonna do worse to you. You beat them till they stop moving and then you call 911. You see what I'm saying? It's a different mm -hmm. mentality yeah. to teach versus like negotiate. Yeah. It's our jobs to do that. It's our jobs to prepare the next generation for the potential of what is inevitable. Mankind, beware of humans. Mm -hmm. It's inevitable. What are you gonna? Is your child? Is your offspring? Is your person that you're coming after you? Is the, are they prepared for the inevitable, the human inter intervention, the, the human invariable of what they can be? The, you know, those the, we say there's seven deadly sins or whatever, but at the same time, the ego is the biggest thing about that whole thing. The ego. Um, you have people who 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 start to feel entitled after a certain point, especially in this environment where they see, they can, that's why I said like with Facebook and stuff, people can see your success every day. They can see your failures every day if, if, you, if you post your failures. And if they see your success every day, at some point somebody will be like, yo, I want what James got. Mm -hmm. How do I get what James got? And without doing what James doing did what to get James it. Did. This is where the problem starts arising because if you want what James got, you had to start when you were a teenager. You had to start when you were this. This is the thing I tell people, if you want what I've got, you have to start when you were a teenager. You have to start from when you had sense and you started to formulate who you are as a person. It's not going to happen now because you're 35 and you want what I have. Good luck. You know, there's so much there 
in, in this development. You're talking about, and, and I, this brings me back to Capoeira, like where there's so much imitation right now in Capoeira. You have any old Joe now, everybody now from this, the court system, from this realization, from what we recognize from the last topic we were talking about of, of how Capoeira got here with this court system of, of verification, right? You have a lot of people now who have made up a lot of levels, a lot of things to make Facebook look good. Like they'll start having these events. Hey, we're now graduating monitor such and such, graduado such and such, estagiario such and such. These are not words that really exist. <laughs> They're to make, it's, a, it's like graduating your kid from fifth grade and giving them a graduation ceremony. That's not a real graduation. Graduating from college or high school, that's a real graduate. You can use that shit from that point on forward. But keep every year, we can celebrate 13th place trophies and all these other things. It's just so much lack of reality going on out there. There's so much, the motivation for why people are doing things is wrong. A lot of people are doing motivation for face value. I'm doing things for face value. Like posting up, this is my new person. This is my new this. But is that gonna last? Cause you're 45 years old. Why are you posting your person online? If you were 25, 26, and you're like, yes, this is probably the man of woman of my dreams, no problem. But you're 45 years old, that's your mechanic. Yeah. That's your fuck buddy. You know what I'm saying? Why are you posting the nigga up online or the woman up online for? Why are you posting them up online for? Keep that personal to yourself because then when you fall on your face or it doesn't work out and you need to choose another one, you look bad. Yeah. Versus just keep your private business to yourself. You don't, nobody has to see the person you're dating. You don't have to show the world, oh, so nobody else don't choose that person? That's not the way it works. But that's what makes, that's what makes your work different. Because it's the work of the soul, man. Yeah. And, and all of that is about inside. It's not performative. You know, you don't get trophies for that kind of <laughs> shit, dude. You do not. You don't get a cord for overcoming the fear. Mm -mm. You don't get a cord for keeping your ego in check. You don't get a cord for forgiving someone faster than you normally would. Like, you, you, you know, these aren't, these aren't things that people are acknowledged for, but, but they shouldn't be because the payment is in the individual recognizing that they have the ability to overcome and therefore expand. Absolutely. And, 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 and in your effort of doing this work for your soul, man, I get um, I get moved to tears sometimes at the idea that people are doing such miraculous things and we overlook them often. Yeah. And you and your story resonates with me, brother, because you're doing beautiful things for the community, man. And and people like you, I feel, get overlooked often. And we, doesn't mean we don't stop doing it, it just means we just gotta keep doing it. You know, it's just like what you do, the ostrich down or whatever, and then, you know, you look up and you get hit with this honor and the community is recognizing you, man. 
That's a beautiful thing, man. And I am so, I'm so happy for you and your family. Because I know that it's something that you all can, can, can embrace and appreciate and, and, and celebrate, man. Because everything y'all do, I just feel like it's together as a unit anyway, bro. You know, when I see you, I see your daughter. If I don't see your daughter, I see Aisha. Like, it's, it's a, the image of that, man, for a guy like me and for the right man who's in a position to see that is a beautiful thing. And if you're not told often, you know, what you're creating and the things that you're doing, man, is beautiful, bro. I appreciate that, man. And 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 I just wanted to have you come on, man, just so I could, you know, man to man, look you in your eye, brother, and say, you know, don't have to tell you to keep up the good work, but that's just, I guess, some shit I'm supposed to say at this <laughs> point. <laughs> but but no, nah, it's um, you're an example, and it's and it's one that we need, and it's one that I certainly appreciate. Man, thank you, bro, for for just seeing that. Um, you know, um, you know, with with community work or as we're calling it that, I don't know that it's something that somebody can plan, man. I, I think it's just stuff that you see that's needed, you know. And um, like I told you, I, my, I did not plan to do this. This was not a. I didn't come to D.C. to be like I'm gonna be a copywriter teacher. Or I'm gonna run a nonprofit. You know, I came to DC to be the dreadlocks wearing multilingual oral surgeon. You know what I mean? And along that path, I found passion. I found conviction to, you know, just let my ambition flow. You know, and um, I found the right teachers too, the right people to equip me with the tools. Despite you know where we are today in these relationships, I, I did have the right stimulation. I did have the right peer pressure. You know what I mean? And. Um, it was, it was up to me to come out of this despite who was going to be with me to, at the end and, and, and feel accomplished. That's why I say at 